It's me, Eric Ambler. And me, Cam Seamer. And you're listening to What Were We Watching? The podcast where we revisit nostalgic movies and TV shows from our youth and compare their appeal to us as kids and as adults. It's not about good or bad, it's about then and now. And it's all in order to answer the question... What, 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 what were we watching? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 169, the Nickelodeon Game Show Showdown. Before the brainchild of our guest... I've been pushing. I've been pushing for it. And thank God you have been. Of course, you know his voice by now on our podcast. He's been on like 12 times or something. From Marvel Star Wars Explorers, it's our good friend, Brian Rudloff. Hello, my friends. It's good to have you back, buddy. Uh, I'm happy to be back and very excited to be talking about this topic that I have spent many, many hours of my life uh, consuming. And many more uh, just in this past week or two, I bet, as we rewatched lots and lots of Nickelodeon game shows. So yeah, this is, this is going to be a little bit different from a regular episode. I guess we should explain the format. So yes. one of the things that we've been doing a lot uh, in the quarantine among us friends is uh, brackets which basically means list a bunch of things in a certain category. Then you debate your friends until you decide which one is the best. You vote on them in matchups. They move on. If you've ever seen like March Madness for college basketball or anything on the internet, really, there's brackets for everything now. You know what we're talking about. So we set up an eight game show bracket for our showdown competition here on what were we watching. To determine the seeding, we actually each submitted our own lists beforehand, ranking these shows from one to eight. Uh, and that's but why... Based on, based on memory or based on expectation of how they might hold up before we watched anything. So we didn't know if this would actually match up with our actual rankings. Right. So what was everyone's number one? I noticed that everyone has a different number one expected game show. My number one is not expected, but <laughs> it is, was my number one as a child, which is Wild and Crazy Kids. <laughs> nice. I like that. Mine was Guts, because I was a sports boy. <laughs> and I was a big Legends of the Hidden Temple head, and I, I like that. I like that we all had a different answer. I'm curious to see if our answers will be the same, or right. how much they'll change. But uh, yeah, so, so we, we took all the rankings, and I, I calculated the average rankings to determine the seeds. So the number eight seed is Get the Picture, which actually none of us had seen before. So it was ranked last, because none of us were familiar <laughs> Well, when I when I rewatched, I kind of had vague recollections of it. Yeah, it seems vaguely familiar, but definitely not one I ever spent a lot of time with. Right. Number seven, figure it out. Number six, wild and crazy kids. Number five is the Double Dare franchise, kind of focusing on family Double Dare. Nickelodeon Arcade is number four. Number three, what would you do? Number two, Legends of the Hidden Temple. And number one, Guts. So Guts is the one to beat. We have it. So yeah, we'll go through, talk about each of these shows. At the end of each matchup, we'll submit a vote. We'll vote to see what goes on to the next round and keep doing that for each subsequent matchup until we find out what is the best Nickelodeon game show of the 90s. 
bar none. All right, let's get to it, guys. Matchup number one. We got our first seed, Guts, against our eight seed, Get the Picture, and it's a Mike O'Malley off. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The host of the both, host of of both shows. shows. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what a surprise when I watch Get the Picture. I <laughs> was not expecting to see Mike there. A little, little baby Mike O'Malley. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like his energy level is different. <laughs> it's between much different, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be fun to talk about so let's get into guts first since that's the first one so we, we focused on a global guts episode eric why don't you talk about it since since this was your number one yeah i chose a global guts episode for us to watch just more so for because of the events that were on it i wanted to make sure there was a mad max that you guys got to see that again <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the the format of guts is basically you take three kids around the ages you know from nine to 13 ish and put them in competition for athletic events but they're all kind of sports with a twist so almost like a fantasy aspect like what if you could dunk on a basketball hoop that was like 15 feet high and you know use a bungee cord to jump off a platform and dunk and then of course after you go through those four events with all the contestants winning points for how they finish you would get to the final event which was the aggro crag a giant uh structure with different obstacles and and triggered events that you'd try to be the first to reach the top of while hitting different little buttons along the way. They call them actuators, which I thought was so cool as a kid. (laughs) And first to make it up to the top got a bunch of points. And it was structured such that if you made it up to the top, even if you were in last place after the events, you'd probably win. You know, the math worked out that way. You'd win the whole competition and whoever won the competition got to stand on the top of the metal podium with the other competitors and they'd win a piece of the aggro crag a glowing piece of our radical rock the most (laughs) coveted trophy of the nickelodeon game shows and then everyone would take a victory lap around the stadium it was a nice inclusive you know competitive but not ruthless way to show kids playing sports olympics inspired yeah thank you for picking this olympics inspired episode because we don't get the olympics this year yeah, so this is this is our it. podcast uh <laughs> equivalent of the olympics for your listeners for well i just remember that global flavor so well as a kid i kind of like that the best especially when you see one of those establishing shots where they have all the different like translators in the booths under the mm. national flags it looks like the un or something there yeah. <laughs> mo the the kind of referee being British also kind of adds to this like international flavor of the show. Right. So it really does feel like you're watching the Olympics and just the, the way the commentary sounds, the way, the way the running commentary is like, it's just very much in the style of actual sports and mm-hmm. the presentation. Yeah. The graphics on, mm-hmm. on screen chirons and everything. Yeah. It's really well done. Very high oh, production value. I love the style of the, the blurbs. Each kid spills their guts in between. <laughs> yeah. Um, rounds and just like how 90s that stuff is like just the canted angles and the kids just like being cool and like <laughs> like aggressively looking from behind a tree yeah. <laughs> oozes 90s style um Looking what did you guys around. think of the events so the the four events uh, in the episode that we watched were slam dunk which is dunking you know with mm-hmm. a bungee cord mad max which is <laughs> riding a recumbent bike around <laughs> this crazy <laughs> obstacle course oh scrumble i'm praying scrumble which is a bunch of rugby <laughs> balls just fall from the ceiling and you got to pick them up as they bounce and throw them into a basket and zero g which is a weird looking thing bungee where you're race. <laughs> yeah bungee race but you're doing it sideways i kind of like the, the race ones more than the 
throw things into points. a net. Yeah, points oriented. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I kind of tune out during like the dunking and the rugby balls, but I love those like obstacle courses where the they're just interacting with like cool sets. I like that stuff. And the the crag, of course, is awesome. Just from a production standpoint, is just incredible. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I agree that the the timed one race timed ones are more fun, but that basketball one is like super iconic. I had the guts SNES game, oh, and it, I must say it's, it was of a fun game, and I played it a lot, and it was fun to compete. Um, and the the dunking was one of the games that you could play in the game, and it was a pretty good SNES representation of that game. <laughs> the other competitions in the game were a football thing that I might not have been based on any real game um, from the show. And then some sort of kind of platforming relay thing. There might've been more, but then there's obviously definitely the aggro crack, which was really fun to get to. And that was a fun game to play with uh, a second person because it didn't take too long to, you know, do the competition. So as far as sports games go, it was a fun time and one of the few sports games I played, but that dunking game to me is super iconic because I've played so many rounds of that on the video game. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely played that game on an emulator in the past. And I think that's the first thing you do in the game is that dunking thing. So I've, I've been there as well. And there's something that really sticks about it because we all want to fly like <laughs> Michael Jordan. And <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's basically what trampoline parks are all about. There's always that corner where they have the hoops (laughs) and you can jump on a trampoline and slam a basketball. Yeah, it seems super fun and also is reminiscent of something that we will talk about in Legends of the Hidden Temple, which also seems like one of the more fun parts of that show. (laughs) Yes. I also loved there was an event they had that was similar, but it was like you had basically a Nerf bow and arrow and you'd when you jump, you jump on the floor, bounce up and try to hit a target that was in the in the air suspended from the ceiling. And just keep jumping back and forth to like a rack of bows and arrows that were already set up because the arrows had um, the Velcro and they'd stick to the target if you if you hit it right. Um, yeah, I actually did watch another Guts episode just to see what the normal Guts looked like. And that event was in there. And yeah, it's pretty fun. Another fun looking. <laughs> uh, the only thing I was bummed not, not to see, but I mean, I did go and watch some other clips of it were like the pool events because there are some of those uh, yeah usually featured in the show and all those those seemed like a little bit sad because there would always be a kid who struggled with it it just that seems like the hardest thing athletically to do on the show Mm -hmm. was whatever they got in the water pulling that raft across or Mm -hmm. whatever kids don't have that upper body strength to (laughs) to (laughs) grow Well, that's why they also had that army of spotters there. Like there were so yeah. many adults and I assume like safety and stunt people around. Yeah. One of my notes was, is so many white shirt people. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. Also, as a kid, that arena seems so big, but watching it now, it does not seem that big. And <laughs> definitely the audience size seems much smaller than my recollection. That's just, again, the power of that presentation. It felt like a real live sporting event when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really just a a soundstage, normal-sized soundstage. (laughs) Just so we don't forget about the aggro crack. If there's anything that you like about it, my favorite features of the aggro crack... Well, my favorite feature is that little button at the end, the top one that they have to hit makes the sound it says guts when they hit it (laughs) oh yeah i wanted to talk about the sound of the show because 
that's like used as a transition like all the time throughout the show and it's great <laughs> it's usually like pretty low in the mix too <laughs> i like it on the crag because the first kid up there there or whenever they get up there they're always spamming it to make sure that they hit it so you just get guns, guns, guns. whenever someone finishes the crag <laughs> when they introduce the crag there's just a bunch of eagle screams in the soundtrack just like... <laughs> It just seems like the most epic thing ever. Uh, everything about the sound design of the show is super memorable, iconic, and is just totally like part of my soul. When I was watching it, it was the first thing I watched because it was the first on the list. And Bob was still upstairs working and she could hear it. And she came down, she's like, are, are you watching Global Guts? She even knew that it was the global version. So, uh, <laughs> But yeah, there's something about Mike and Moe's voices together, along with the music and the sound effects. You can't mistake it for anything else. And I like that for a game show, it actually tells a fun, simple little story, like an actual sporting event. Like the commentary especially goes a long way in advancing that. Even if it's just like, this this contestant was behind and then they came back and won. Like, you know, it's there's more of a through line to it than just watching people, you know, answer questions or complete tasks to win a mm-hmm. game. Yeah, definitely, you know the contestants better than in most of the other shows, I guess. And of course, we have to talk about Mike O'Malley's enthusiasm. <laughs> that's also an extremely important part of the show. Holy crap, yes. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. How he can maintain that for the entire show. Plus, they probably recorded multiple ones like in a day. He just has to be the most excited man in the room for 12 hours. <laughs> so different from uh, on Get the Picture, but... <laughs> He's just turned all the way up here. But it kind of suits him. Like, you know, he's he's a big Boston sports fan in real life. He just seems like that kind of guy. Like, that's more of his personality than, like, an Alex Trebek type or even, like, a Pat Sajak. Where he's like, oh, this is a sports show and I can just get crazy and, <laughs> and say things like, look at the extension, you know, <laughs> things like that. Pretend. This man is a battler. <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite. <laughs> uh, it's, it feels authentic and it seems like a guy living his best life most of the show. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that job now. Kidding me? <laughs> Let's go to Mo for the leaderboard. Mo! Are we ready to transition to the other Mike O'Malley show? Yeah, speaking of Mike O'Malley, get the picture. Mike and his awesome floral tie. Yeah, this is a few years earlier. I think the episode we watched is from 92, if I'm not mistaken. So this is kind of a trivia show for the most part. Barely even that. Yeah, but it's also got kind of a sort of Wheel of Fortune type thing where you're trying to complete in this case of an image, usually in a grid formation, as you slowly uncover each block of the grid and try to guess what the image is. And there's different power surges along the way. You might land on a power surge square that sends you into another activity. There's a word search one where the (laughs) contestants have to like find as many words related to a certain thing. Watching someone do a word search. Yeah. (laughs) There's another one where one person has to tell the other one to draw something just by telling them what shapes to do and what lines. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) interesting. You know, like draw a circle, now a bigger circle around that circle. Now three lines coming out of the side of the circle. (laughs) No, 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 that that should be bigger. (laughs) Right. Um, There's another one where they have to draw, or what is it? They draw over a picture of Mike O'Malley? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like try to guess what they're portraying him as, basically. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. And then the final bonus round is, it's called Mega Memory. And there's a grid of nine different images and the players have to 
basically remember where each one was and hit they get a little giant prompt. calculator prop. They like take time to memorize where they are, then they get a little prompt from the host like after they go away because all the images have to do with this, a similar topic. Like it was things that are smelly uh, mm-hmm. on the episode we watched. So he's like, this smelly thing is has a black and white fur, you know? So they had to remember where the skunk was. And yeah, let's get the picture. And we got it, didn't we, guys? <laughs> I got it. I, I, I can't believe how unfamiliar it was to me. They must not have played many reruns of the show. I'm sure that I had seen it at some point, but it really was yeah. not part of my life as much as the other shows. The concept, you can't really go too far with it. It seems really simplistic compared to the rest of their shows. And I mean, a lot of the other shows are dumb fun, but this one's not even as dumb as those. So it doesn't even have that appeal of just like being about getting messy. You know, it's, it's just kind of like, guess what's this, guess what the picture is. And I don't know. It's, <laughs> there's not a Wait, lot of mileage there. Do a crossword it, puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when, you know, the, the, they get the picture pretty much after reviewing a few of the squares and, and if they don't, like if they're running out of time in the round, they just like start like revealing the whole picture anyway. Like, yeah. oh, we gotta just yeah. get moving. So the yeah, the main like the main mechanic of the game doesn't even seem that fun or important or <laughs> challenging. Yeah. It's all about it, just who can answer these trivia questions. Right. I do like the set though. They it feels like they're oh, yeah. just like inside of a computer. It's all it's like a bunch of circuitry and yeah. it's pretty good, pretty good production value there. I think that'll be a recurring theme with a lot of these shows. Like the sets are just so amazing. Yeah. This is one of the better ones I thought set wise. There's a lot of uh, entertaining elements though, outside of the actual game, uh, especially the contestants. I was a big fan of the contestants on the show. <laughs> They're pretty good in the show. <laughs> uh, obviously probably on this show and many of the others, the teams seem to be kids that don't know each other, which is, Obviously, it's fun to watch their interactions because they <laughs> obviously don't know each other and they're like getting mad at each other or high-fiving each other. Um, and all, it's the, a, all the awkward high-fives. So yeah. yeah, and they're all boy-girl teams, so you got that like preteen <laughs> boy-girl interaction. <laughs> and then I like, like, there's a kid and they kind of talk to them a bit about what they want to be and stuff. And one kid said he was going to be a surgeon. And I fully believe that that kid is a surgeon now. Like he seemed like a guy that was going to be a surgeon. <laughs> My favorite was, and get the picture, the girl in the yellow team. And Mike says, I heard you want to be the first woman president. And she just goes, yep. <laughs> <laughs> because there's too much discrimination going on. Yeah. What she said. <laughs> we could pause for that, which is great. Yeah, is uh, relevant to right now. She was also the, my favorite contestant out of anything we watched because she was just so pissed at her counterpart <laughs> mm-hmm. for yep. buzzing in way too early and always having the wrong answer. <laughs> she was giving them looks. Yeah, a lot of shady looks. Yeah, <laughs> he deserved it too. Like he didn't grasp like like the the so many of the questions were structured like you had to provide multiple answers, so you had to listen for all the questions. Like who was the first? Like to, and the, or I don't know. The answers were land on the moon and Neil Armstrong. And like, he just, he just would plow through and answer the first thing. And like, nope, that's not how you do it, buddy. <laughs> he did that multiple times. I would get frustrated too. Just no wonder Kelly wants to be the first woman president and take over from these stupid, yep. incompetent men who are just jacking everything up. 
I also enjoyed her Arsenio Hall impression. (laughs) (laughs) She nailed that. (laughs) An Arsenio Hall audience member. Because in in between the questions about history and geography, we need to make kids do the whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, we should note that a lot of the trivia questions are pop culture based. And it's fun to see the pop culture of the times be reflected, you know, like (laughs) famous wrestlers. It wasn't even though, like, there were questions about the Andy Griffith show. And I was like, yeah, have these kids ever seen the Andy Griffith? I've never seen the Andy Griffith show. How could these kids have seen the Andy Griffith show? (laughs) That was totally insane. Like, this is very clearly an early attempt. Like this is probably one of their first game shows that they ever did on Nickelodeon, and they're clearly still calibrating everything, mm-hmm. like <laughs> the presentation, the games, difficulty level of questions and tasks that they have to do. But there are prizes. I did write down whenever there are prizes, uh, I got them all. I listed them. So forget the picture. The consolation prizes were Prince of Persia on the Super Nintendo and uh, Hershey syrup and chocolate milk mix. Awesome prize right there. <laughs> and the grand prizes were Smash TV on Super Nintendo, oh, a VCA yeah. mountain bike, and a vacation at the Rocking Horse Ranch in New York, which <laughs> I wonder, I don't know if this one, I don't think this one was filmed in Orlando. Do you guys remember if they expressly said that? Because they usually would have that ending card, right. title card. It, it just got me thinking, like, maybe this is filmed in New York City and they get local kids and this ranch is just like three hours upstate or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like an easy vacation and not as expensive. Uh, I made a note of that smash TV video game. Cause I love that uh, arcade game. I've never played the SNES version, but I love the arcade version. It's good on the super Nintendo, but not on the Genesis because the Genesis only has the three buttons instead of the four on the super Nintendo. And as you know, you have to independently like move around and also aim in each of the four directions. It's hard to do with just three buttons. I also made a note here, the final picture, Blythe said, I bet it's Michael Jordan. And then it turned out to be Michael Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, in 1990, 1991, every celebrity was Michael Jordan. He was ubiquitous. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that I wanted to point out happened the most in this show is Mike O'Malley just like, tossing the kids around like grabbing them by the shoulders and like making sure they're <laughs> facing the camera they're just like constantly turning kids towards the camera which we see in later shows but this show yeah. definitely had the most of him like I, I don't know how you can host a show but also be super aware of what direction the, the kids are facing yeah that that's something that i think will come into play when we discuss the hosts which we can do at the end towards the He's end. He's the best it's, wrangler of children. Yeah, exactly. No, wrangling of children, but also kind of like social skills with children. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing to watch. And Mike O'Malley just has that childlike energy himself that really works. But it's just, it is funny to see him like wrangling them in this one. All right. Are we, uh, are we ready to vote? Let's do it. Brian, what, what do you got? Guts or get the picture? Guts. One vote for guts. Eric? Well, you know... Get the picture at least had more entertaining things than I thought it would, but there's so many flubs, so many whisperings mm-hmm. picked up on those hot mics in front of the <laughs> contestants. <laughs> it's clearly a work in progress. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think these are seated appropriately because obviously the winner is Guts. Agreed. So that's a sweep for Guts. We have it. We have Guts, you guys. We got them. We still have them. <laughs> but next, we got to see uh, what will face Guts in the, in the semifinal. So our next matchup in the bracket is the number five seed, Double Dare, the Double Dare franchise, Family Double Dare and Double Dare, 
against Nick Arcade, the number four seed. And here's an interesting one because I ranked Nick Arcade very highly. It was when I went to Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando as a little kid. There was a little, it was a whiteboard where you would write the name of your favorite show on Nickelodeon. And I wrote Nick Arcade because I loved it as a six-year-old. I was also pretty high on Nick Arcade as a kid. And I think at the time, you know, video games weren't that complicated. And this, this show definitely reflects the simplicity of video games back then. Yes, the, uh, the, whole, the entire world of them was a much more accessible one. Yeah. Well, I was never a fan of Nick Arcade as a kid. And I'm still not a fan now for pretty much the same reasons. Watching a person play a video game for the first time <laughs> which is what is mostly what's happening is not a fun activity. <laughs> also, the the final thing, which I think probably a lot of people thought was really cool, where they're like inside the video game, just always seemed super lame to me, like not something I want to do because they're clearly just like in a green screen room. That does not seem nearly as fun as climbing an aggro crag or going through the hidden temple thing. So... It was never appealing to me, this show. The ending is at least fun to watch. Like after you, you're right. After you've seen people struggle to play these video games in the arcade, you just get to watch them run around. And I was a little bummed the episode, which again was my choice that they didn't, they weren't very good at that final challenge. Um, Because the best part is when you get to the third level and it's both team members battling the boss and that was always kind of like the most nail-biting portion of it. I don't know. I, I, still thought, I still thought it was pretty good TV to watch, but I totally get your point about not being fun to do. Because you probably, especially if you have seen it on TV before and you get there and you're like, what the hell? I'm just standing behind a green block. This is not fun. Yeah, I also felt like the whenever the kids like have to go up to the arcade cabinets, that those challenges were always like, pretty hard like impossible and like they barely ever achieve them because they're playing a video game for the yeah and they're only playing it for the very first time Uh, that's not always the case i mean the in this episode one of them is alpha mission i think that kid knew what he was doing that's that's true that kid didn't know what he's doing Uh, the sonic the girl that played sonic did not know what the fuck she was doing well fun fact that was like a beta version of sonic it was like an early it was like a promotional thing to like a preview the game for all the kids Mm. Well, clearly the show is just an advertisement for those games. Oh, yeah. Were, I do have were to they say, all established games, like Crater Rangers and Robot uh, Vision and all those? Or well, not Crater some Rangers. Of them, some of them were created for the show. Yeah, I think right. a lot of the... Fa- so the, 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 the format, which we should also discuss, is yeah. it starts off with like a face-off round where there's, there's two teams of two, once again, a boy and a girl on each team, and they're answering trivia questions. But there is a face-off game, kind of like a coin flip, whatever to get points right off the bat and they play like a a game for 30 seconds that one i think was created for the show and then the rest of it as they answer trivia questions what they're actually doing is moving this little digital avatar around a game board that's on a screen Mm -hmm. in front of them what's Um, his name mikey mikey the video adventurer and so there's so many like games within games on this Mm -hmm. show because as they move mikey around it could reveal reveals different things like a trivia question or a video game challenge or just you just win a prize. This is another element that I don't like. I don't like when a game show just has luck elements. Come on. I like it a lot. I, I think it just adds more variety to it. It's like a Kinder Egg surprise, Brian. You telling me you don't like that? It's like, oh, I like the surprise it. part, but I don't like... If I was playing the game, I'd be like annoyed if someone <laughs> just 
got a sweet prize out of luck. I mean, I don't know if the prizes were that sweet. TBH. I'm sure they would have been to me at the time. <laughs> you don't want a word processor? <laughs> you want some Nestle Quick? It was a little bit disappointing to rewatch. I, I will admit it just wasn't as cool to me as it was as a kid because the video challenges are so impossible because there's so much shilling going on. Like Phil Moore is just reading lots of copy, ad copy for those video games. And uh, the video I like his energy though, when he's like transitioning from one game to the other, he's like, <laughs> when he's like running over back to the podium, he's like kind <laughs> yeah. of sing-songing, like, I don't know. <laughs> he's He's pretty goofy, yeah. Yeah, I like his energy. I like that this show is clearly for nerds. Like the questions yes. were nerdy and the obviously playing the games is nerdy. Yeah, there's some Star Trek trivia. There's the kid who says his favorite movie of the year was Alien 3. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil was asking a girl about her hobby and her hobby was Pez collecting. And then he asks her how many Pez dispensers she has. And the answer is two. two. <laughs> and she's like, you only, have, you only have two? How did this become your main thing? Uh, it's fun. Like, it's, a, it's a new obsession. It's a new thing, yeah. She was actually the most comfortable. Like all those other kids were like, it's like, I heard you play baseball. I was like, yep. It's like, what position yep. do you play? And what's your batting average? Because it's clearly that's what they wrote on the sheet. Like whatever mm-hmm. they're preparing for. <laughs> Just feed that information back to me, man. <laughs> the show also featured a lot of child wrangling and turning them around. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's this is the one where I really noticed it for sure. Mm-hmm. Phil Moore just constantly repositioning because there's a lot of like turning towards the cabinet the video arcade cabinet kids yeah. want to do instinctively. But it's all about mini games. I love a good mini game. I guess Crater Rangers seems like a shitty game that I never want to play, but <laughs> most of them seem like that to me. Except for Sonic 2, maybe the greatest Sega game of all time. Yeah, there are a lot of shoot 'em ups. Because the challenges are always like, oh, get this X number of points in 30 seconds. So there's that. Some of the episodes, though, feature King of the Monsters, which I don't know if you guys have played that, but it's an awesome kaiju fighting game. Cool. And just from a historical standpoint, it's kind of fun to see, like, the variety uh, in the, like, the home console market at that time. Not all of them were arcade games. Obviously, Sonic 2 was never an arcade game. But there's just representation. It's like, you know, you have Super Nintendo games and Sega games, but you even had Neo Geo games and Turbo Graphics. Like it's it's just like this very strange time in video game history where there's a lot of different competitors on the market trying to get their product in front of kids. Now that I think about it, was Sonic 2, was it arcade controls? Because I feel like that would be weird playing Sonic with arcade controls. Maybe that's why be. she wasn't very good at it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's there's like, well, there's one button. There's like you jump and... Yeah. <laughs> And maybe in Sonic well, 2, you can you can spin dash, but yeah, you, you can get that done thing. with a regular arcade-style joystick, I think. Yeah. I but if you only have 30 seconds to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. And well. if it's like literally nothing, something you've never played, a level you've never played before, and get 30 rings on the first zone in 30 seconds, yeah. that seems like a struggle for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Can you guys tell me what the word processor that we saw as a prize actually is? Is like an electronic typewriter? Yes, that's one of the grand prizes, a Smith Corona electronic word processor. And that's that's essentially what it is. It's an electric typewriter. Flame. <laughs> Constellation prizes were Nestle Quick and Hush Puppies Shoes. We invented casual. <laughs> <laughs> and the grand prizes were the word processor, Coleman camping gear, and the Bush Gardens Williamsburg trip. Um, oh, yeah. 
which cool. I, I believe they actually did not win because those are contingent on like passing each section of that video zone challenge at the end. Yeah, so they only got the first two. That's definitely the vacation slash trip I was most excited about when yeah. I saw it. <laughs> That's not where we went, is it, Brian? It is. Yes, it you is. and I we have went? been there together. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that was a very fun day going to Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. I like the kind of just old timey theme. Yes, European. Like as it says in the commercial, it's the mm-hmm. European uh, village atmosphere, or whatever. <laughs> yep. And the the it's funny that the roller coaster they mention in that ad during the show, like you know the new newest coaster, Drakenfire, would actually be closed pretty soon after. It was just a notoriously bad, or just a, a ride that had a lot of troubles, and it would always be breaking mm-hmm. down. And they eventually just scrapped it, like within less than a decade, I want to say. So sorry, kids. They got good rides there now, though. They sure do. All right, anything else about Nick Arcade? I just want to say, for for some reason, uh, I think Mikey was like the reason I got excited about Nick Arcade. Like I, as a kid, I was always excited about him, but seeing it now, I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it was just the way he was animated and the way he moved across the board, and it's kind of like, like a space themed. Thing. Yeah, the jingle is memorable. That's the thing I latched onto. Yeah, I'm with doesn't I'm hold with up. You there. <laughs> the set is fairly similar to the Get the Picture set. Yeah, it's cool looking. I do like the door with all like the dry ice smoke in it when they go into the video zone. Mm-hmm. A lot of mystery. That's some total laser tag shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, shall we talk about its competitor in this round? Let's go on to Double Dare. They're family Double Dare. So Double Dare and Family Double Dare were both hosted by Mark Summers. They had the same format, pretty much exactly, except Family Double Dare added adults to the mix. So instead of two children on a team, it'd be two kids and two adults. Again, part trivia, part physical challenge. There'd be pop culture questions. And then if they would get them wrong, it would become a physical challenge where they'd have to do some funny, messy thing of some sort, like... Popping balloons full of pudding or squeezing, I don't know. Squeezing mustard into a cup like yeah. <laughs> that's being held by your partner. In a hot dog suit. 15 feet away, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like roll, rolling your partner up in taco ingredients. Human, human taco, yeah. <laughs> just an excuse to make a mess. Just like we're getting, yeah. like making a huge mess. That one was funny because <laughs> Mark Summers is like commenting on how bad it smells. <laughs> and he like can't get over it. He's like, God. <laughs> yeah, that's him. He's like, are, are, we, are we cleaning that up? <laughs> he's having a diva moment on the air. I don't know if you guys watched the, the just the regular Double Dare episode. There's a funny moment in that one where like a girl slips on like some water on the floor or something. He's like, we're going to clean that up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sticking it to the, the people that are supposed to be cleaning up. Yeah. You do, but you do get a glimpse of in Family Double Dare, and it's actually it's kind of horrifying to yeah. <laughs> see that crew like squeegee all that gross-looking gross. yeah. liquid <laughs> into like a, a metal trough that's like just outside the frame in the normal shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god, gross! I think they must have taken notes on like the the gross smells and tastes because, like, in the later shows, I can figure it out. Oh yeah, and it's like. It's- taste and smell better it seems it's just like slime which i think is just kind of like simple ingredients or uh pies which is just yeah. sugar so yeah that i noticed that too it's like they're they're really using like real food <laughs> in double dare yeah and they probably 
learned a lesson. But we should also talk about the final obstacle course of Double Dare, which just was like several different obstacles, all varying degrees of messy, like slides, you know, into GAC. So GAC was, was their term for just anything messy, which became an actual product from Nickelodeon in that first Double Dare episode. I think Mark Summers calls it out. He's like, GAC is what we call anything messy, anything <laughs> gross, slimy. And That's I didn't good. Know that. It's good to clarify because in the UK, GAC is slang for heroin. So <laughs> got to differentiate. Yeah, I mean, obviously the relay is like iconic part of the show and super fun to watch. Always yeah. the best part when I was watching as a kid. And this episode had some iconic obstacles. I feel like the nose is one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, the blimp. The, oh, yeah, the blimp. And the geyser pole slide down. Mm-hmm. I thought the the pool was cool. The raft, mm-hmm. the raft element yeah. where you had to like race across the pool, whatever. And it, had, it had the the mouth like jumping into the mouth one, right? They just didn't yes. get to it in time. Oh, However, they it was demonstrated yes. from the audience. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Mark Summers really shined. Like, who wants to do this? <laughs> it's like, ad- apropos of nothing. Here, just do this <laughs> obstacle. And it's it's grown man in his regular clothes who jumps into that pile of gross shit and i wonder if they filmed that later i wonder if they filmed that later because they knew it wasn't going to be used yeah maybe well we got to show this yeah (laughs) yeah we set it up but i don't know it it never seemed like most people ever finished the relay so it was always cool when someone did there's real strategy and skill to it too like you know you got to keep moving and you got to have like a plan to attack each of those that shark shark mouth one seems like one that definitely holds people up especially if it's a kid in in the family version like because they're just tossing stuff out they're not expecting that they might throw out the flag i felt like that happened a lot in those kind of Mm -hmm. stations Mm -hmm. and it'd be like no be a little more careful (laughs) as you go through (laughs) gotta be as intense as that dad at the beginning of the episode (laughs) yeah you're like didn't he didn't notice when people were like you're done (laughs) he just kept like (laughs) vigorously like juicing the oranges or whatever it was <laughs> <laughs> all the games before were pretty iconic of the show i feel yeah the hot dog thing and throwing the tv dinners into the tv yep what's funny about this show is that it encourages losing the trivia like <laughs> if you keep answering questions right like you'll never get to those fun physical challenges so it's almost like you want to get things wrong and i think the questions get harder and more niche they stack the deck whenever they're there to make sure that someone will take the physical challenge at like certain interval, I think. Yeah. Well, they have a timer going too. And I appreciate how fast the show moves. And so they get to do a lot of games. Mm-hmm. The set again is great. That, mm-hmm. that checkerboard floor and those gradient lights behind Mark Summers is iconic. <laughs> Hell yeah. Love those pink and blue tiles. It's great. I, I really like how it just kind of like, corny he is in double dare yeah. i did some reading up on mark summers uh, i guess he started as a like an audience warm-up comedian you know the, the one that would just like go out and warm up a crowd before like a game show like, for sure and I, he just has that energy of just like family friendly wholesome corny and never um, never skips a beat like he yeah. can just roll with anything it's great. he's like he's a king amongst hosts definitely i was a big fan but more for what would you do which we can talk about <laughs> later I yeah. didn't watch Double Dare too much as a kid. I think because it was just earlier. Well, I did go to not a taping, but there was a touring 
fam- mm. our Double Dare show. And my mom took me to it. I don't remember much about it other than that I didn't love it because we were really far back and everything was happening like so far away <laughs> compared to like watching it on a TV that it wasn't a super cool experience for me. But I did I did see it. Especially to little kid eyes if you're young and you, you feel even smaller. On that aforementioned trip to Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, there was, uh, as part of the studio tour, they would take you into a room that looked like it was set up for some kind of game show. And they they did play like some messy games with audience volunteers or tour mm-hmm. volunteers. It was not Double Dare in name, but it was Double Dare in spirit, for sure. I, I kind of remember that when I took that tour. But I don't remember any actual sets, other than I remember all that and Gullah Gullah Island sets that I oh. saw when I was there. I went a little earlier than you then because we definitely saw the Clarissa Explains It All set. Nice. In production. Like there were people walking around and setting, like setting up the lighting and stuff. But yeah, I, I, the Relay Obstacle Course, always the main attraction for me. And I think something you, you'll probably appreciate, Brian, about competitiveness. Like you only won as many prizes as you could earn during that obstacle course. If you wanted mm-hmm. everything, you got to finish every station. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man, Mark Summers just like, Rattles them off so quickly. Just like, what's the prize for this one? (laughs) That's why like the introduction of everything in the obstacle course takes like three times as long as doing the course. (laughs) I know. I was watching the timing, like while rewatching the episode, I'm like, are they going to have enough time to do the race here? (laughs) Like this is taking a while. What were those prizes, Eric? (laughs) Well, for this one, I did, I didn't write down every single station, but I did make a note of one of them for the Gat Geyser. It was that karaoke machine. Uh, they called the Singalodian. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I noted it because of the the tagline, which was in Japan it's karaoke, in the USA it's Singalodian. <laughs> nice. No, sir, it is not. <laughs> I, That's I, what I'm calling it from now on. I may have wrote them all down. I have a bunch written down here. So I got some binoculars, a watch, Singalodian, some sports gear, a camera, a Mac computer. Oh, and then nice. a Club Med Vacation. Yeah, that's the grand prize of the Club Med Vacation. And weren't those watches like Looney Tunes watches or something? I don't recall. There's some special kind of watch. Like, yeah. a, like for a kid, except in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the shot of them, there was one like more tasteful one. Like a yeah. little, <laughs> the cartoon element was more muted so like an adult could actually wear it. That Mac mean. computer was so old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it, but it could run like a thousand applications, Brian. Didn't you hear the announcer? Yes. Uh, but what, one of the prizes, this is the first appearance, I think it appeared on a Hidden Temple also, but of Barfo-Rama. Yes. In the consolation was on, prizes. Was it on this one too? Yeah. There's oh, Barfo-Rama books and BK Ratchtech shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel nice, baby. Barfo-Rama seems like something I would have remembered, but I, I don't remember it. Uh, it's something I do remember and owned. I owned a Barfarama book, and I was going to talk about it later because I don't think I realized it showed up on Family Double Dare. <laughs> but um, you know, I'll show you guys a picture of the one I had. Right <laughs> <laughs> so I had Barfarama number two, The Legend of Big Fart. Oh, um, boy. Warning, is- guaranteed gross out. <laughs> what's going on? Describe what's happening in this So it, it looks like an animal... That has just farted. See the wafting It's like cloud. a really intense haze of cloud of smoke. 
and some animals are dying from it. It looks like they're passing out yeah. at least. Birds are um, falling over. <laughs> as it's retreating into some, some bushes. But yeah, this was very much in the vein of, especially my brother's humor as a kid. So maybe he was like the... <laughs> yeah, let's blame him. Yeah, I'm gonna... <laughs> so such a 90s thing. Deny all responsibility here. <laughs> such a 90s thing, such a double dare prize just for how messy and gross that show was. Um, mm-hmm. It's very much a trope of the 90s, but I want to read the back description of, of this book. <laughs> so, <laughs> Big Fart, Bigfoot's bigger, stinkier brother. <laughs> Deep in the woods of Camp Winnipeg lives Big Fart, the smelliest, skankiest, most fartacious monster who ever lived. And I, Bobby Warmack, was about to meet him, a fart to be feared. Each summer, Big Fart strikes one camper with an explosion of such magnitude that even the strongest have been known to go insane from the stench. This is not my idea of fun. I tried to run away from camp, but barf over is, is that supposed to be like the continuation of that sentence? Barf-a-rama. I don't know. <laughs> I would like it to be. And don't miss the next totally gross book in the series, Mucus Mansion. <laughs> yep, oh 350 sounds about right. So there you have consolation, it. A, a nice consolation prize for the family, along with the uh, zip tie sneakers. Yeah. I wonder if they're, they're going to cover this on the Sexy Books pod. <laughs> Thank you for reading that cover. Yes. Please. Great. I'm sorry I don't, I don't have a full book report prepared. <laughs> uh, all right. One more note about Double Dare for me. Did you guys watch the version that had the Harry at the Spy commercial? No. No. Oh, man. Because it was great. <laughs> it, just, it just featured kids like saying how much they love the movie. Oh, okay. cool. And... Um, so that must have been a later rerun. Yeah. Because that movie came out later. 96. Yeah, I guess so. And on this podcast with your wife, Brian, as our guest. True. True. Yeah, I think, I think the link that you shared for Family Double Dare was like a, someone actually vi- had videotaped it off TV. It was unique among the links that we had. Hmm. What, what I remember is that there's like the ending voiceover plugging the shows that's coming up that are coming up next. And that included Muppet babies. Mm. Uh, yes, I do remember that. <laughs> the way I ended up watching all these episodes was that I downloaded the daily motion app on my Apple TV and then was just typing in the titles. Okay. Um, so I didn't actually watch the, the links. Gotcha. Got to watch them on the big screen. Yeah. The quality was real shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We ready to vote on this bracket. Eric, why don't you go first this time? Well, you know, I put Nick Arcade pretty high in my initial rankings because it truly was one of my favorite shows of that era when I was very young. I was really into video games too and wanted badly to be on it. But I got to say, I was won over by Family Double Dare. Just classic games uh, and great energy from Mark Summers. It was a delight to watch. Would watch more. I am also going to have to go with Double Dare. As you know, Nick Arcade was... Never something I enjoyed that much. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't something I watched. Uh, Double Dare wasn't too much, but I, I was really won over. I love Mark Summers. And I just think the concept is just so much more fun to watch. People get messy and it's comical. I think that's that's what really wins you over is the comedy yeah. of, of Double Dare. Yeah. So Yeah, there's it, there's it's so easy to just like cringe at many of these shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially with, you know, kids becoming deer in headlights, but right. <laughs> that's why a host makes all the difference. So uh, Double Dare, Family Double Dare moves on. They will face guts in the semifinals. 
Okay, uh, moving on to our next matchup. It's the number three seed. What would you do against the number six seed? W- w- wild and crazy kids. <laughs> A fitting matchup on what were we watching? The Battle of the W's. Yes. What's going to be the best W? Um, oh, this, I feel like this is a more competitive bracket than the last two. Not for me, personally. <laughs> <laughs> I was big, what would you do, kid? So I don't know if you guys want to talk about that one first. It, well, yeah. Please explain it to us also. <laughs> <'Cause> this, <laughs> this, this was definitely not what I thought it was. I, I, it's been a long time since I saw it. <laughs> so this is kind of just barely a game show. Um, it's more of a variety show. But there are game... There are games. Um, and this episode we watched was about making sound effects. That was kind of like the one theme of it. I don't <laughs> know how much it really stuck activity. to it. but <laughs> So it's Mark Summers again from Double Dare, talking to a big studio audience, kind of like a Dr. Phil or an Oprah type audience. <laughs> With a very cool 90s background. And he brings on guests. He, br- he brings on like a yo-yo expert to do some tricks. They cut away to a, a prank that they did out in... I assume the park, Universal, or some kind of theme park. Oh, is that a is that a water park? Especially, oh, was it okay? Especially, yeah, yeah. Um, where they do like a shoelace prank, where they have a woman ask ask <laughs> random kids and strangers to like tie her shoes. The prank is really just annoying. being a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, can you do it all all over again a different <laughs> way? <laughs> I don't like how I don't like you tying it like that. But then it gets to some fun, messy stuff. There's the pie pod. How do they get to the pie pod? I, f- I forget. Yeah, it was like a competition between a father and a daughter. And the daughter won, and she got to pick whether she sends her dad there or she right. goes there. Yeah, so the pie pod's like a thing you sit in, like a contraption where you just get pies to the face. Um, <laughs> Actually, no, the, the, the father won because it was jumping rope. Like they both had to jump rope, and it was a kid's jump rope. So obviously, like they think dad can't do it, but he did it. <laughs> So the girl went to the pie pod and has those yeah, mechanical arms that just fling pies into a person's face. And there's the pie coaster where you're, you're getting like a little car that rides on a track into giant pie. Um, and then it culminates in the wall of stuff, which is kind of a race to get things in these like secret compartments in this wall where you could win prizes, right? Yeah, you stick. Like Some people have won tokens uh, yep. throughout the episode by participating in the games and and the rest they do like a bingo pool like everyone has a seat number and they run up there and, and open various doors uh to get what would you do swag and it's often like a wacky way to open a door or it's like a gorilla arm reaching out and handing you a water bottle you know fun stuff did we also mention the pie wash oh no I missed that. Yeah, the pie wash is, is uh, someone sitting in a booth that resembles those setups they have um, at certain live concerts when the drummer has to be behind all those plexiglass walls. That's what it reminded me of. And there's a rotating chair and just jets of pie filling are just shooting out at the person in the pie wash. And the, and the, uh, like the, the crew, like the safety crew people, are all dressed like car wash attendants, and that's a lot of fun. So which which of those three guys would you prefer to experience? The pie pod, the pie wash, or the pie coaster? Definitely the coaster. It yeah, I think the coaster. Definitely my favorite part of the show as a kid. That would definitely be the thing that got me the most excited. I did like the perfectly timed interview that Mark Summers did with the kid who went on the pie coaster. Like As <laughs> soon as he's through, he's like, how did that feel? 
Mungeko is fun. And then like, that's exactly the moment that his, that his momentum like pulls him backwards, back to the pie again. <laughs> he can't talk. <laughs> Mark Summers has it down. He knows yeah. exactly when to, when to move. It's yeah. crazy. Like how it seems like it's all happening in real time. Like he's yeah. getting another kid to come down to the wall while the, while the kid's getting ready to do the pie coaster. Right. Yep. That's- which is in very stark contrast to the episode of Jedi Temple Challenges that I also watched this week, <laughs> where it's all highly like put together in post production oh and God. not in real time at all. I also watched that, and yeah, it's very much taken from the Legends of the Hidden Temple template. And I was disappointed because I, I skimmed through the second episode of Jedi Temple, and I was disappointed that it's like the same exact thing. Mm. Like I think at least Hidden Temple switched up the games, but I feel like that show is going to get old real fast if they don't introduce new games and challenges and stuff. Why? Because you only need to watch one episode in that case. They don't have variety. Like on what would you do? We also (laughs) learned how to do yo-yo tricks. Oh yes. Or that guy tried to teach those kids. (laughs) It's just so funny when they get the volunteers and they're like, one of them is like, he's asking them, Hey, have, do you know, can you do a yo-yo really well? And the one kid's just like, no, (laughs) can't do it. Okay, great. I appreciated when the guy was showing off all the yo-yo <laughs> collection. Uh, that was fun. This yo-yo is made of sterling silver. It's like he only has 20 seconds to get through the 10 yo-yos that he's brought. <laughs> he's just ripping through them. This is the world's smallest yo-yo. <laughs> this yo-yo lights up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was silly. I want to talk about the intro to the show just for yeah. a brief second. Because this is very iconic. First of all, it's a God-tier Nickelodeon theme song. Yes. Mm-hmm. So great. The graphics of like the weird background, like animal print, neon animal print coming in, and then the eyeball, which is also a really awesome feature of a set, like an eyeball yes. on a crane just like, yes. running around. But also the little <laughs> clips of Mark Summers just like doing silly things, like getting <laughs> spun around by a female wrestler and yeah. like putting on a, a paint mustache, like a... Like a stereotypical yeah. Frenchman. Yeah. Doing things out in the world, like yeah. talk footage or B-footed, B-roll of, of him like out in the world, like talking to, interviewing people and stuff. What a it's clear guy. that this show is the Mark Summer show. The show is all about him and just a, a vehicle that he could basically do whatever he wanted, it seems. I love the glow up that he has from, from Double Dare to this. Like in Double Dare, <laughs> he's kind of just like dorky, like comedian with like a spinning bow tie but in this one he's like a cool dad he's got like a cool like 90s shirt <laughs> and he's just so much more confident and like laid back i guess yeah he what uh, he reminded me of is like the manic summer camp counselor like the cool counselor <laughs> yeah. he's like trying to keep everyone entertained at every second and i was i think that's what really stuck with me as a kid is just like mark summer's shepherding us through this like wacky silly 20 minutes what would you do for a t-shirt couple more things to talk about so the logo with the eyes i didn't realize this i kind of forgot this i think it was a big influence on our logo the what what were we watching logo <laughs> uh, i think i thought of it because i i designed the lettering uh, i drew it out and then the person i was dating at the time vectored it and made it the internet ready version that it is now but i think i thought of that show because of the eyes and like you know watching what were we watching it's like oh that's that's like a what would you do? It's a question with a couple W's and there's some eyes which are like watching. See, I totally forgot that that was like a big influence on 
this very podcast's logo. It's so that makes fun. sense. <laughs> Part of our aesthetic. That's why I'm dressed um, like Mark Summers. Like look at look at the W's especially, and just the what the way what looks is is pretty similar. But also just on on the aesthetic of this show, I love the background so much. Just like the set, another iconic set with the eyeball and yeah, print leopard prints and just like so many colors and the wall is so cool looking. Yeah, the wall yeah. stuff. But also, I think this is a theme in a lot of these shows, but especially this one where you really see it captures the aesthetic of the nineties so well, because you see normal people just like what normal kids, what normal, normal folk wore on an everyday basis. Just like the t-shirts, the shoes, the Mm. high waisted pants, like, (laughs) like it's so much less polished than like a feature film or, or another like fictional narrative TV show would be where everything's very like, thought styled. out and styled it's just like what normal people wear watching shows like this send me back so much more than those kinds of things because it's like oh man like i wore stuff just like that the audience is really amazing in the show and the yeah. styles that they're wearing <laughs> the orlando styles yeah this is um, all like vacation wear tourist wear which i is mean this another level <laughs> yeah. this entire show just is a theme park show that's being filmed yeah. it clearly is like this is a thing that theme park guests can come and watch and win prizes and we're just gonna tape it and put it up on your screens <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like definitely has a dual purpose of being a theme park attraction as well as being a show like in my notes, I describe it as America's funniest people meets candid camera meets bingo. There you have it. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely surprised at what it was based on my memory of it. Did it hold up better or worse than you remember? Uh, it did. It held up worse. Yeah, there's those are a little bit of like WTF is this? Yeah. <laughs> but but again, the host goes a long way. I mean, I was yeah. entertained by a lot of it still. Even even as I struggle to comprehend, Brian hit the nail on the head. It's just like, here's a crowd show that we just filmed <laughs> for you. <laughs> I don't know. I like how cheeky it is. I like I like Mark Summers in it so much. Like I like him better in this show than on Double Dare, but I think Double Dare is probably a better show. But I don't know. It's just there's like a it's the another another sense of humor where the, the sense of humor goes a long way and and the host goes a long way and just like the pie nonsense at the end yeah. <laughs> it's fun it's to fun. revisit all right on to our next challenger in the bracket is wild and crazy kids um this Brian, is brian's you wanna, yes you wanna, you talk is, about it this is my pick it is a program where three teams of a large group of children on each team compete in various challenges each team is represented by one of the three hosts of the show um, so they also are involved in the competitions and encourage the kids on each team. And, and sometimes parents are also involved as, I guess, antagonists to the teams. <laughs> um, so they each episode, they do three different events and a team wins. Though we never really get to know any of the contestants because there's so many kids on each <laughs> team. But the cool aspect of this show is that pretty much every episode is in a different location. So the games are all different uh, for each episode. This particular episode that I picked is one of my favorites because it takes place at one of my favorite places, uh, Wild Rivers Water Park in Irvine, a water park that doesn't exist anymore, though apparently it Uh is being rebuilt or the name is being used for a new water park. But I spent many 
days at this place. This was a place that after every like little league tournament, everyone like got tickets and you went with your baseball team to Wild Rivers. And I, you know, went several times with my family and stuff as well. One of the rides featured is like one of my all-time favorite water rides, which is the Congo River Rapids, which mm-hmm. is in the middle game during this episode. Is that the uh, one with the nets where they have to throw yeah, yeah. into the net? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that looks cool. Super, super fun. Uh, water park ride but yeah i like revisiting this one just because this is a really awesome place in my childhood that no longer exists so it's Mm. one of the only ways i get to relive it and (laughs) yeah just everything on the screen and all the names of everything are so just part of my childhood so it's really cool i really like this show also because i feel like this is like the the socialist version of a game show it didn't seem elitist like the other ones. Like anyone could be on Wild and Crazy Kids. You didn't have to be some special person on an Orlando vacation to be on this show. You could be any age. I don't yeah. think the particular games are that great. I think other episodes have better actual games, but I had to go with the Wild Rivers episode. Well, here's the thing about this show is, you know, you're, you're alluding to the inclusivity of it. The games are kind of the perfect example of that because it really captures the spirit of just running around outside with your friends and mm-hmm. inventing your own games with whatever you have that's on hand. Like, mm-hmm. like the games in this are literally like pelt someone with a, one with a ball as they come down a water slide, like and see who can <laughs> hit the most times. You know, totally. <laughs> These are totally things you would just think of as a kid uh, yeah. to to have fun and, and pass the time and it's really heartening actually to see on television that you don't need all these expensive setups and equipment mm-hmm. and all this really, you know, orchestrated, organized fun. It's just like, this is pure fun. As, as the show's tagline states, uh, it's a show that goes anywhere and does anything to find kids having fun. Hell yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I think it's also like, sometimes the challenges are just too difficult and it's not fun to watch because like nobody can really do it. <laughs> like nobody really caught any frisbees being thrown at them as they're trying to like careen down the the slide yeah. or people coming out of the slide getting pelted with water balloons. Like that's like you don't see them until like the split second that they exit. They have to count to like based on when they went down. <laughs> I agree that the, the the games are pretty lame in this episode, and I've always thought that like as a kid, I was just like, uh, I, these aren't. That's one of the games that I'd actually want to play. Yeah. Um, I guess we should mention what all the games are. Like the first one yeah. is they go down these racer slides carrying balloons. Then they like pass them off and have to run back up and yeah, whoever has the most balloons left wins. Yeah, no, no, they have to pop them all at the end. Oh, they have to pop like, them. It's all. a real, it's a relay. Like they're going from slide to slide, and then like at the last one, they have to climb to like the middle of the slide, and they have the first team to pop all. Yeah, them. and they have to like oh, walk up the slide, which seems harder. And then the middle game is the one where they're going down Congo River Rapids, which is like a, a bumpy tube ride. Mm-hmm. And first they have a bunch of kids throwing Frisbees at them that they have to catch, the, the person in the tube. And then in the second round, the person in the tube has to throw a bunch of tennis balls into nets being held by a bunch of people on the side. Um, and then the third game was one where they're going down a slide, uh, like a pretty short, just straight slide, and they're holding a trash can lid, and someone has to just throw a ball and hit the lid. And then the last game is where they're going down a straight, like a tube slide, like a speed slide, and then someone has to throw a ball and hit them as they come out of the tube, which Mm -hmm. definitely seems extremely difficult. (laughs) Water balloon, right? 
Kind of bomb. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. there were water balloons. Yeah, yeah, and like it only happens once. Like they only hit them yeah. one time because <laughs> yeah. it grazes it someone. Pretty tough. <laughs> well, I think they knew that that was going to be bad TV, so they had a fun time villainizing the dads in yeah, that yes. segment. <laughs> There's a lot of goofy dad humor in that yeah. last segment that I love. Boy, these dads are terrible. <laughs> didn't they? Didn't they kind of villainize one of the hosts too in that balloon challenge? Like one of the one of the ho- one of the three hosts sabotages his team. Basically, <laughs> he's kind of like fucking around the whole time. And Funny. Like, yeah, he's it like costs he his just, team the round. They just weren't good at popping balloons, and he was. I actually read that as him actually getting frustrated because all those. Oh. The, the other fun thing about this show is like all the hosts are just they're teenagers. <laughs> like they're yeah. not they're not adults. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you have that weird energy of like right. 15, 14 yeah. year old child actors <laughs> doing shepherding these other little kids. <laughs> Talking about like hosts being able to like interact with the, the child contestants. I feel like they are some of the worst <laughs> because of that, like because yeah. they're younger and they're just they're kids, too. <laughs> yeah, they're kids, too. Like a lot of the kids and a lot of the kids are like, well, how was it? And it's like scary. <laughs> I didn't know if I'd make it out alive. The one guy, Omar, I think, is mm-hmm. the host. He's like cool anyways <laughs> yeah <laughs> like this kid is like just went through like something kind of like stressful <laughs> he, like he doesn't he doesn't know anything but to like stick to the script and just move on <laughs> <laughs> wow i'm glad you caught <laughs> because they're asking him like well how'd, how'd you do it and most of them are just like i don't know it's like kind of chaos out there like, i didn't know yeah. there's no strategy <laughs> it's it's also got to be pretty difficult playing games at a water park while wearing a soaked oversized t-shirt over your bathing suit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should say like, I'm, I also think about like the other uh, games and like the other episodes they would play. There were better games. And one that I always liked was the like live action battleship. It's pretty yes. sweet. Where there's a person in the crane and there's <laughs> kids being the battleships and then they'd like drop slime onto the kids if it was a hit. That one's awesome. They always had like giant dizzy bat races. Like everyone just like yeah. spinning around. And what's really been burned in my mind is the world's largest Simon Says game with that guy who's like a fast talking, like micro machines type of guy. <laughs> and like he, he'd just do like the, the most insane game of Simon Says with like 60 people out there. He, he was like eagle eyes, like looking at every single one of per, like person if they did it wrong. And he'd just go, out of my game, out of my game, out of my game. Like just <laughs> down the line. Like, <laughs> <fucked> <laughs> it was really impressive to watch whoever could get to the end of this, this crazy man Simon Says game. And also the various locations. There's like the snow, a couple of snow episodes, another water park episode. Cool. There's a Magic Mountain episode beach or a park or so many different locations that made it fun go anywhere and do anything i feel like i should have watched another episode because this one did not color it very well (laughs) i think i didn't i didn't really connect to it as a kid either though like and i kind of see why the fact that there were so many kids i never really latched on to any like teams or anything and it feels very distant like i feel like in this episode especially the the camera is like really far away it's like zoomed in all the way but it's still like so far away like it's like it's not supposed to be in the park or something <laughs> so they had to film like outside the fence or something that's what it feels like like the camera is just so far away and yeah i mean it's definitely a show where the winning doesn't really matter to the audience yeah like it's really just like an advertisement for this water park like i want to go to the water park more than anything 
involved in the show. Like <laughs> I get that appeal, but as a game show, I'm, I'm not super into it. <laughs> All right. Do we want to vote on this round? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. All right. How about uh, Cam? You go first this time. I've already shown my hand just now. <laughs> um, and I just, and even though it's barely a game show, I love Mark Summers and his glow up and the, the style and just the variety of what would you do? Uh, so I'm going to give my vote to what would you do? I am uh, going to say that I'm, I'm, I still love Mark Summers. Um, and even though what would you do was just kind of baffling, it was still baffling in a good way. Mm-hmm. However, I just really love the spirit of wild and crazy kids being this thing that reminds you of what real kids do when they're playing. That, and that's so Nickelodeon, especially like early Nickelodeon, 90s, early 90s Nickelodeon, before it got polished and slick and more entertainment-like. It's just like, here are just kids having fun. So I'm going to vote wild and crazy kids. I get that. I respect that. I mean, I picked wild and crazy kids as my f- number one in the seed. So as much as I do enjoy what would you do? I think it's not going to win this round because I got to pick Wild and Crazy Kids because I feel like it really embodies the entire spirit of what Nickelodeon was about in the 90s. Fair enough. We, we have our first dissent, dissenting vote. <laughs> yep. But it is Wild and Crazy Kids that upsets and moves on. So let's move on to our, our final matchup of the first round here. Uh, we've got the number seven seed, Figure It Out, against the number two seed, Legends of the Hidden Temple. And this is actually a pretty heavy hitting battle, I thought. Yeah, yeah. These these are Agreed. these are pretty close in my in my mind. So Figure It Out is a show that's very much like the classic game show What's My Line, in that uh it involves a contestant, a kid who has some special talent or has um achieved something very unique. And that's revealed to the audience before the game starts. And the game is a group of celebrity panelists asking this contestant questions to figure out just what it is that they're notable for. Every time that they guess a word that's uh, part of, you know, what, what they're known for, it is revealed on the big brain thing. What was his name? Oh, Billy the Answer Head. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Then it flips over. So they're trying to get within three one-minute rounds, they're trying to guess why this person is here, like what's their special uh, ability or achievement. There's wacky clues throughout the game. There's the secret slime action, which is just someone will do something very innocuous and ha- something that happens all the time. Right. <laughs> like if you touch your hair, you'll get slimed. Yeah. And there's like an alarm that goes off to let you know that you're about to be slimed. And then at the end of, you know, it, whether... Sometimes the celebrities will guess it, but most of the time they don't, I think. And the kid will get to demonstrate whatever their skill or talent is at the very mm-hmm. end once it's revealed to everybody. <laughs> so in the episode we watched, I chose it because it has been memed recently or just brought to our attention again. <laughs> There's a kid that ate 11 pounds of watermelon in one minute. Um, <laughs> so that's his talent. The panel He's from guess, Arkansas. The panel yep. guest gets to trying to guess that and then and then he demonstrates it at the end when they find out what it is and it's a spectacle (laughs) it's something to behold it's crazy (laughs) it's a performance like he knows that that it's a thing to behold so he kind of like hams it up and just like leans into the just the animalistic nature of it i don't believe that the technique that he demonstrated on the show is the technique that he used 
when he actually ate 11 pounds of watermelon. <laughs> why, why is that? This is too goofy. It didn't seem like it was an effective way to consume 11 pounds of watermelon. Just doing a typewriter? <laughs> yeah, but he's like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. He's probably making a lot of noise, maybe more noise than he would, but... But he's also like looking into your eye as, as he does it. <laughs> playing to the cameras. It's, yeah, he's playing to the audience. He's playing to like everyone being like, what the fuck? <laughs> everyone is just like in awe when they watch him do it. And it's I mean, that's a part hilarious. of eating contests as well. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I think of the people like the professional competitive eaters, like they, they're, they're doing it a pretty similar thing, like a little less theatrical, but they're just going ham on whatever they're eating. I think that that's like stuffing your face is really the fastest way to just to eat a large quantity of anything. And I feel like it's probably a little misleading that it's 11 pounds because I'm sure that includes the rind, which you don't yeah. eat. And given how like how much water watermelon retains, it's probably not that much. I mean, it's a lot for anyone. Yeah. Eat, and in but... terms of actual food matter going into yeah. your stomach, it's not as it's definitely not 11 pounds. <laughs> yeah. But it is still quite a sight. Watch. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was memed recently. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I saw it on like a on Facebook, like some kind of like '90s Facebook account that I <laughs> follow, and it was just like <laughs> check this more, funny thing out from the '90s. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely more kid. interesting than the second kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, more visually interesting and entertaining, yeah. but the second kid was more impressive because she actually invented something, <laughs> which it's was very useful. Yeah, yeah. so she invented a, a sour milk signal on a milk carton just kind of like a little a little dot that lets you know if your milk's gone bad or not yeah it's kind of like a scale like a it's like a yellow yeah. yeah it's like a litmus thing like yellow is good and red is sour she should be a billionaire and that should be on every milk carton i know right now I yeah know. Where I, mean, I don't know I, I i thought about it a little bit i'm like how useful is that really <laughs> where is your milk sitting around like they do stamp a date on it and it seems like <laughs> it struck me as like the uh you remember that commercial like for iPhone with Zoe Deschanel and she's like asking Siri if it's raining outside and she's looking out the window. She's like, Siri, is that <laughs> rain? <laughs> it's like, here's the milk. You can smell it. You can even sip it. Is it sour? I better check the carton. <laughs> I'm sure she's graduated to more advanced science. Right. It if seems like she's got that kind of mind. Who yeah. wants the unpleasant smell of that in your nose? I'd rather not smell it if I don't have to. Here's what I think. I think it was like a science, like a cool science fair project. That's probably what it yeah. was. And she like, you know, sure. used her knowledge of chemistry to create this cool project. But as a, an actual product that you're going to sell, like, I don't know how far that would go, but I could be wrong. Maybe she <laughs> made a lot of money off it. We should also talk about the rotating uh, panelists. So it was always like a panel of four celebrities like mostly nickelodeon celebrities sometimes other people like coolio or <laughs> carrot top or whatever <laughs> um but for this one it was all we picked it because it was all very iconic nickelodeon people including mark wiener of wienerville yes. um, i was happy to include because wienerville is just such a strange weird niche show we also got amanda Bynes, very young amanda Bynes, who was on all that at the time Danny Tamborelli, who was on Pete and Pete. Was he on all that at yes. this point? I feel like he joined it later, but I can't remember. If yeah, he's definitely not, not season one cast. And then Laurie Beth Denberg, who was also an all that person. So, yeah, very iconic. And then Summer Sanders, uh, Olympian, was the mm-hmm. host of this show. Was definitely crushing on her as a 10-year-old. Oh, yeah. But she was uh, an athlete. She was a swimmer. 
who won medals, a couple gold medals even at the um, Barcelona Olympics in 1992. So this is like a post-athletic career. It's a pretty fun avenue, I think, for someone like that. Olympic athletes trying to stay in the public eye. Now you can just go on Dancing with the Stars, but it's cool you just like host a game show on Nickelodeon. I think she's one of the best of this pool, so to speak. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like she gets to work with other comedians or like other actors and celebrities. So she has a little more to work with than just like talking to some kids or like normal adults. So she has like comedy to play off of. Um, but I also think she has like on the better side of social skills with kids, smoothing over those awkward kid moments that we've seen in other shows. Yeah. She can match that energy because even like that child actor energy is different with, with yeah, it was balls like, like Danny Tamborelli. Oh man. Every, I feel like every panelist brought something different to this, this episode. Like Mark yep. Wiener is kind of just like playing up like neurotic tendencies. He's, like he's a bewildered adult. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> Why am I here? Um, Amanda Bynes is just like a little too young to really like kind of guess Beautiful. like guess well. <laughs> She's just um, being herself. Danny Tamborelli is just like fucking around. He's just like giving joke guesses and <laughs> class clown. Yeah. And then Laurie Beth Denberg, I feel like is like the only one who's actually like genuinely close to getting it right or like yeah. guessing well. <laughs> so that was like a fun dynamic. Yeah, it's know. it's really good chemistry between that panel and God, it's just such a great presentation too. The yeah. Billy the Answer Head, which I mentioned a little earlier, but that clue recap screen is, are, is already pretty funny. <laughs> like, and it really hammers home how useless the questions are that they're asking. I like the the way the clues come out too. They're like on a little train that yeah. comes out in front of them, <laughs> or they're in like a box, like at the at their yeah. little podium, and the charade brigade comes out. <laughs> <laughs> That that There's was so much... a throwback immediately once the <laughs> first charade brigade person ran out. There. So much silliness and fun in the show. A lot of variety, and the slime. The slime obviously is is a huge part of it. Like you, mm-hmm. you're guaranteed to see people get slimed, like at least yeah. twice. I feel like they changed the recipe as as the years went on. Like it's very yeah. clearly some kind of vanilla or tapioca pudding on this show, but I feel like it wasn't always that way. Yeah, well, I actually I was watch I like went down a rabbit hole of Nickelodeon yeah. game show content, and I watched like a more recent interview with Mark Summers, and he was talking about how the recipe did change. How originally it was like vanilla pudding and like oatmeal or something, something like that. But then they there's like now an official gack or slime recipe that they can like change the viscosity at the like factory that they make it, and like <laughs> it's very much like a produced thing now. But yeah, originally it was just kind of like a simple like this plus this yeah. with food coloring yeah so this is already you're already seeing it because this yeah. this is the game show that is the most recent out of all the shows right. in this bracket this was 97 and nickelodeon is already starting to refine get refined <laughs> bringing professionalism to silly kids <laughs> programming i felt like the um the announcer is a bigger part of this show than the others as well and i thought he's a pretty good announcer jay jay the jay. announcer slash dj and it was insane how like the audience prizes were Nintendo 64. Like yeah. you're doing nothing. You get a Nintendo 64. <laughs> yeah. These are some good prizes. Yeah. For, for just like being able to, you don't, you're, you're not even the one that's stumping the guest. It's like their own guesses that stumps themselves. <laughs> yeah. Nickelodeon's got real money at this point. But um, for the contestants, like each round that they survive without the celebrities guessing why it is that they're there, they get a, a, a different prize. And it's fun to see the progression there because the first mm-hmm. person, the watermelon kid, he got a piece of the all that set. 
and a hundred Toys R Us Jeffrey dollars. <laughs> and then uh, the second kid, the girl who invented the, the milk thing, um, she got a piece of the Global Guts set. Hell yeah. <laughs> and a Veriflex scooter and rollerblades. It was like a whole bunch of stuff. Oh my God. So I wanted to talk about that because Veriflex scooters, I'm, I'm pretty sure I had either a Veriflex or something in the style of, which is much different than scooter. the way scooters evolved to be the like razor. razors. Evolution which are lame, tiny little rollerblade wheels. But I, I had one of these scooters with like the big wheels. It's more, it's more bike-like. Like if you look at the handlebars and yeah. some friends and I, like we all had one of these and we just like rode around our neighborhood like a little scooter gang. <laughs> and it was just, Heavy and we'd duty. Like, we'd build ramps and go off the ramps. It was fun. <laughs> and of course, all, all the safety equipment came with that prize as well. Did you wear all the knee pads and wrist pads? No, and helmet? of course not. <laughs> You're not even this a probably like around the time I'd, i had that too like 97 as a cool 10 year old and of course the grand prize was a trip to super club resort in jamaica in jamaica <laughs> yeah at first I, I i got really uncomfortable and then when he was doing that voice <laughs> but then they showed him and i'm like well okay at least he is black i'm not sure what the vector of offensiveness is there yeah i was wondering that Perhaps he is of Jamaican descent. I don't know. But that was okay to do no matter what in the 90s. And I also wrote down that there are promotional fees paid for in this in this show. So there are um, just companies that paid to get their name mentioned on it. And that included Hush Puppies, again, years, like six years later, and Ring Pops. <laughs> Ring Pops. Nice. So when the watermelon kid wins, I love when all the guests are also up there eating watermelon. <laughs> it's a fun element oh, yeah. of that. <laughs> and they quickly just stop because they're in awe of the way <laughs> this kid is eating water. <laughs> I just wanted to watch Amanda Bynes' reaction. She's just like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, of course, I had to look up a recent picture of Amanda Bynes after watching this, and she does not look the same. She has a, some face tats. Yeah. Oh, really? I think I remember when that yeah. happened. I, I looked up some recent pictures of Summer Sanders after this, and she looks exactly the same. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> We love an athletic bay. Well, the crazy thing is she was like, you know, 25 years old when she hosted that show. Mm -hmm. Like she seems like so much of an adult again, you know, in yeah. comparison to all the kids that are there. But she's very, she's still very young herself. <laughs> I like how she was like kind of ribbing Mark Wiener for like being scared of the slime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like very slyly too. It's like you wouldn't, you wouldn't quite get it. You'd probably go for your head as a kid, but she's like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's just pudding. Well, he's always in arm's reach of that hat with the weird stuff glued onto it. I like that yeah. touch too. All their helmets have <laughs> strange things on them, man. But I just look at this show and I'm like, man, like they took that kind of what would you do style energy, like these weird talents and ske sketches and really mm -hmm. figure out how to incorporate them into the most entertaining format. Like I like yeah. sitting there and, and seeing if they can guess what it is and then seeing them demonstrate it. Because mm -hmm. um, some of them just made you so curious I'll never forget watching an episode once with my sister growing up and the kid introduces himself backstage. He's like, hi, I'm whatever. And I've been growing a rat tail since birth. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? We, we didn't understand that that's the name of a hairstyle. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Yeah. We thought we were about to see something really grotesque, but we were a little disappointed. I... Also still very impressive because the rat tail was like two feet long. <laughs> One of the episodes I considered picking before I landed on the watermelon one was um, there's like a kid that like collects or like he grows foot fungus 
he'll like take a swab of, of people's feet and just like, <laughs> grow, like put it in a petri dish and let fungus grow. Nice. <laughs> gotta, everyone's got to ha- have a hobby, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, more in 90s, like gross out culture. Totally. On well brand. into the later 90s. <laughs> <laughs> on brand for the 90s, on brand for Nickelodeon. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Ready to dig into this hearty dish that is Legends of the Hidden Temple? Mm, you know it. My number one. Tell us about it. So Legends of the Hidden Temple was a, more on the educational side um, because it always involved some sort of legend from all around the world. Um, the, the episode we watched was the metal beard of the Egyptian queen. So every every episode kind of like re- revolves around a certain artifact from a, a, a legend or sometimes they'd probably made them up. Like one of them was the like lost manuscript of Mary Shelley. <laughs> uh, so it could be like American, it could be Egyptian, it could be anywhere in the world. They would always just like find a, a true story usually. And then all the games would mostly be tailored to that legend. So you have six teams, the blue barracudas, the orange iguanas, the green monkeys, the red jaguars, the silver snakes, and the purple parrots. And there's two kids on each team and they would gradually eliminate teams through different challenges until there was one team left. And then that final team would go through the temple run which is kind of a big obstacle course inside the temple. And they would have different things to do. Um, notably, the putting together the Shrine of the Silver Monkey, like a little silver monkey uh, figure that they'd have to assemble. Um, and there would be temple guards that could like capture them. And if they got captured, like your other teammate would have to start the temple and, and go through it and finish it in, in a certain amount of time. But some of the other challenges would be like at the beginning, the, the moat crossing, that's the one that would like narrow it down to four teams. You'd have to get through the get across the the moat a certain way, and it would always change, right? It would always be like a different method of of crossing yeah. the moat, and then there would be the steps of knowledge. That's where the exposition about the legend of the episode would would be delivered by Olmec, who's like a an Aztec uh, giant head statue who talks. He'd kind of like deliver all the exposition about the legend, and then the steps of knowledge would be like you'd hear the legend, and then the teams would have to like repeat reading comprehension. Yeah. Just answering questions about, about about the legend. And then usually another challenge or two that was more related to the the legend, like the episode we watched, there was the, I didn't know what the games were called, but there's like the one where you're kind of in like a rotating seesaw contraption and you have to kind of like (laughs) gather animals from, from one part and then put them in like a, a cage on the other side or something and get as many as you can. It's kind of like in guts, like, Grab as many things and put them in the basket. basket. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's the part where you had to get as many scepters as they could from one end of a platform while giant boulders were like swinging overhead and you had to dodge them uh, and not be knocked off the platform. So a wipeout kind of stuff. Those games in the middle would always change too. There's a lot of variety on, on this show. And yeah, it was just my favorite because it had that like Indiana Jones energy you know, about finding lost artifacts and just legends and kind of supernatural sometimes, especially with Olmec being this kind of like magical talking statue head. There's just so much to unpack. This is probably the height of presentation for a Nickelodeon game show. There's so much going on and it's all working together to create kind of this feeling of exaltation. You're just like, oh my God look at how cool this is. Everything is just all working together. I feel like I'm somewhere in a a jungle exploring Mm -hmm. and and finding some, finding out cool stuff. And 
Kirk Fogg, the host, even swings in on a vine and pulls his <laughs> mic from his holster to start the show. <laughs> they just go all out. It's really amazing. Like the production value, I think, peaks with this yeah. show. It's um, it's also like the most well organized and well structured of mm-hmm. the programs, I think, along with Guts and the best edited show for sure. I continue to love it. It's aesthetic AF was one of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's always a big a big factor in things I like. It is a, a beaut. And it just packs so much into a half hour, like so much yeah. different variety of competition, mm-hmm. so much different types of fun that you're having. Yeah. The tempo run was always the highlight as a kid. Yeah. I was always like really excited about the tempo run. Even though it's the same every time. (laughs) Yeah. For the most part. I guess, yeah, for the the, most part. Most of the changes, you know, the temple guards might be in a different place. And the route you take might be different depending on where the item was that you had to retrieve. That's true. Because it it does seem like there are multiple paths. Like you don't have to go, like in in the episode we watched, there are multiple instances of (laughs) the host is like, is he going to go into this room? No, he's not. (laughs) Yeah. He's trying to help him out and guide them, like tell him where Mm -hmm. to go next. So one thing that I don't like about the Temple Run, which I've never liked as a kid, was the elements that are luck-based, which is always a thing that I have about a show like this. Like, I don't want to see luck. I want to see strategy. Mm. In this instance, it was the, like, trees part where a tree just, a random tree, you just got to pick a tree and one of them's going to attack you and one of them's not. In other instances, it's where the Temple Guards pop out. And I feel like some of those elements are luck-based. But I will say this temple run in this episode was by far the most gripping thing of any of these game shows that we've watched. Like <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. So, <laughs> so good. I mean, that's life though, right? Yes. Sometimes life throws, yeah. throws curveballs and, you know, yeah, even, even in sports games, like there's right. always the element of the just the X factor that the way the ball bounces. Yeah. True. Um, I also never really understood how do the kids know what the route is and where to go. And, From my um, understanding, I feel like they were able to like to like do a practice run beforehand, and the, the host is also like like telling them where to go essentially, like Eric alluded to. True. I feel like they had a lot of help because it is just chaotic, you know. <laughs> yeah. They have like mm-hmm. this much, very little time to to get through it. It's um, it's done almost too well. Like the the yeah. scope of that temple, like everything <laughs> you're not always uh, sure like where the next door is it just like looks like a really cool set and it's yeah. really quite macabre and scary like the the thing yeah. I, I i like was i both lived in anticipation and in fear of the temple run for every yeah. episode because i did not like temple guards just jumping out at these kids. <laughs> yeah and if you don't like in some cases like taking them like backstage yeah. like that is terrifying yeah. <laughs> what happened to them they got their hearts ripped out. Oompa loompa. Oh my god. <laughs> I think I think meeting one in the room, the room of the ancient warriors was my nightmare because like that's the one where you sit down in the chairs in each yeah. of those different suits of armor. And if there was a guard, like, oh, right. that was one of the chairs, like it would just like you just see the arms come around and like grab the kid and like spin them around <laughs> to the back. That's traumatic. Yeah. Nothing cool, good's man. gonna happen, son. It's like it's, it's like that haunted house thing you're just always like expecting someone to pop out yeah I, I dreaded that as a child now it's pretty funny to just to like see these obvious stage hands dressed mm-hmm. in loincloths having to like <laughs> pop out and like do a goofy little i scared you i guess two people can go in the through the temple do they i wonder if they ever just like 
both succumb to temple guards? Like, would the temple guards <laughs> just be dicks and be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I prevent both people from <laughs> from getting in? Oh, well, yeah, I see what you're saying. I don't know if I ever saw that happen. Like, usually, yeah. if they didn't make it, it was because they ran out of time. But like, temple guard means you're done, right? Yes, yeah, unless you have the pendant. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because you could give them your pendant and continue true. on. True. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like you had a maid in the shade if you were able to collect two pendants through the, the mm-hmm. preliminary games. There were two pretty cool preliminary games in this one. I really like, well, the one where they were bouncing and mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like attached to this arm. Like it's kind of like a moon jump thing Yeah, where they had to like time the jump correctly to score points. That's mm-hmm. pretty sweet. And then there was another game where they had to, there's like one versus one pushing, trying to get, these exactly. boulders to knock down pins that they mm-hmm. were defending. Both were pretty, I thought, well-designed games for, for this type of thing. I feel like that game was motivated by the legend, too. It was like, you know, this is how they would, like, ransack the cities. They would, like, yeah. send boulders, boulders to, like... <laughs> catapult you know. boulders at the city walls, so you got to defend your city walls. And, like, yeah. the moon bounce one was getting the animals in the zoo because, like, that that ruler was known for starting the first zoo in Egypt or something. So I respect the getting all those plastic animals from the, the pillar and putting them in the yeah. basket. I respect that like educational through line through the show. Yes. Well, let's call it light educational, like yeah. In, yeah, yeah. educational in the sense that the, the Pharaoh or the, the ruler, the Empress in, in the show actually existed was like mm-hmm. one of the first female rulers of Egypt and yeah. had statues of her made with like that man's beard. Thing that you mm-hmm. see in a lot of uh, Egyptian sculpture and art from that period. But obviously they, they always do a, a goofy spin on those right, legends. Right. Like in the legend where it's about the son is tired of his mom ruling. And he's like, but mom, I want to, <laughs> I want to be King. Yeah. They always like make it a little more modern and they make silly. it kid friendly and it's yeah. kind of silly. I don't know if you guys clock this, but in one of those games, the one picking up the scepters while diving under the swinging boulders. The the track that they're playing sounds a hell of a lot like Bat Dance. Really? Just like the beginning. I, I should have picked up on that. Do, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. Do, 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 which was a track <laughs> they used a lot during those games, but it just struck me this time. Like, it's yeah. a lot like Bat Dance. Well, yeah, it's very much like cut from the same like synthy cloth. One yeah. thing I liked doing as a kid uh, was drawing my own version of the temple. Like, mm. like what kind of rooms could I come up with like different challenges but like blend them in with the ones that i really liked from the show too i always really like the part of the temple run i think it's the temple run where they have to like reach into the like square compartments and like try to find a key or something Mm -hmm. for some reason i thought that was like a cool part (laughs) there was a part where they have to like say the magic word to open the door and it's like you know you have to find it on the tablet it's literally just open sesame (laughs) (laughs) oh i like the one room which wasn't in this episode, but like they have to smash the jars, the pottery to oh, find yeah, the yeah. key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell yeah. I like the implication that like all these artifacts from around the world, like it could be from anywhere in the world, end up in this hidden temple. It's almost yeah. like this Bermuda Triangle of, <laughs> of lost artifacts. <laughs> I, I, I like the implications of that mythology. In show mythology. <laughs> the one where you put the skeleton head on was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The Shrine of the Silver Monkey, as everyone knows. Why Why is that so memorable to so many, do you think? Because it think... seems so easy and every kid messed it up. <laughs> I feel like they also kind of present it in like a, a way that like glorifies it. It's just like, this is the most important room of the Temple Run. <laughs> right. I feel like a lot of 
kids lose like that's when the time runs out also yeah yeah you would see it a lot because <laughs> they'd fail to put together a three-piece sculpture it must just be like tricky to like conceptualize when you see the pieces in front of you or something like how they go together plus when there's all that excitement and noise and you're it's yeah. really under pressure and i think as as Olmec is doing the run through of the rooms, he just has says that one with such a special flourish. The shrine of the silver monkey. Right. Rolls off the tongue. Actually, I did watch the TV movie that was made a couple years ago. Oh my gosh. It's on, it's on it? Netflix. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, standard like 2010s kid fare, which is like pretty slick production. It's only like 68 minutes or something. So it aired on television, right? Yeah. With commercials Sonic, and stuff. It was, it, with like teen protagonists, like tween protagonists rather. Mm. But it's kind of a fun premise. Like, So I guess Legends of the Hidden Temple is a theme park now based on the show. And oh, Kirk man. Fogg is like in it as himself, like, yes. as like a guide at the park. And these kids are like on a family vacation there and they're on like a tour and while the tour is like at lunch, they like sneak into the temple and like go on a, this crazy adventure. And you get to see like the the myth, or, like the, the story behind Olmec and his two children uh, who come into play as like one of them is a bad guy. And it, it's interesting. And there's like cameos from all the different teams. There's like literal blue barracudas and a literal orange iguana, <laughs> a green monkey. Like it's, it's kind of fun in that way. Yeah. But it's just kind of like kitty. I was like zoning out because of that, but it, it, it brought up an interesting question that I, I want to ask you guys is like things like that, where it's like a, a, a remake or a, a continuation of a show that we grew up with. Does it need to be for kids when you like wait that long revival? Like, cause kids nowadays are going to have no recollection of Legends of the Hidden Temple. I feel like it would almost be more successful if you just made like an adult movie about it. Like, let these things grow up. It's kind of like how the Lizzie McGuire, I guess, I don't know if oh, it's a uh, controversy. Yeah. But Hillary, Hillary Duff. Duff wanted to make it, like, more adult. And she wanted the, the, the character to grow up realistically and have, like, adult themes. But they wanted to keep it, like, kid-friendly. But it's like, what kids are actually... What kids remember that? No no kids are going to remember Lizzie McGuire. The ones well, it that watched where, it. It matters where it's being made, too. It's like... yeah. I, I forgot if that show was on something was going to be on something like Disney Plus, right? Yeah, it's true. like you're you're still making these for a kid audience, and so in that sense, I don't really think it should try to appeal to adults. It's just unfortunate that I mean that's the state of entertainment anyway. Like it's very cynical to just recycle something that has mm-hmm. brand recognition. But I'm I don't know. I I would also be I'm also the mind that you know, I, I'm okay with leaving those childhood things behind. I don't need to see mm-hmm. what Lizzie McGuire is up to now. Like I, <laughs> I remember as a kid and that's fine. I just feel like legends of the hidden temple has like enough of a, an intriguing kernel of like mythology that I really think they could take it forward and do something kind of fun and like Indiana Jones, like, or pirates like with it that I was just kind of bummed that it was just like relegated to kind of like a tween thing that like no tweens are going to really have nostalgia for it. Like, mm-hmm who's the audience and it yeah. probably just it probably didn't do that well because of that in the plot of the movie itself. Like there's a tween kid that like is like the biggest fan of legends of the hidden temple. And I was like, that, that wouldn't be the case. Like, <laughs> what kid is going to like go back and watch like old 90 shows. That is weird. <laughs> that, that seems like a total mis misunderstanding of it all. Yeah. And, and Maybe if it was like an adult that's like, Oh, like trying to get his kids into it, 
it'd be fun if it was like kind of a vacation, like National Lampoon's vacation, where like the dad is the one that's like pushing for to go to this park. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. on the adventure. That'd be fun. I still I still feel like they're probably squeezing every drop they can out of this twenty minute game show <laughs> to make a sixty eight minute movie. Like I also don't I don't think there's quite as much mythology as 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 maybe you think there is. But you know what? You would probably be able to write something interesting. <laughs> I would watch it. I would write it. <laughs> I want to note the consolation prizes from this episode were Barforama books, which we discussed. BK Ratch Tech Shoes popping up again and a $50 savings bond, <laughs> which if it's a 30 year bond still has not matured yet. So somewhere out there, a kid, kid who won that savings bond back in 1995 is going to have to wait five more years to cash in. And apparently sponsored by Melody Pops was the $50 savings bond. And the grand prizes for uh, completing the Temple Run were a Zenith portable stereo with cassette player and radio, hey. a foosball table, and a trip to Mexico City. Ooh, Aero Mexico, yeah. Yes. Also interesting, like not the typical game show like destination Mexico destination. You're usually going to like Cancun, Puerto Vallarta, Cabo, mm. some of the big touristy ones. But they were sending those people to Mexico City. Props to see actual Aztec ruins, probably. Makes sense. All right. Are we ready to vote? This is harder than it should be. I feel like figure it out really got gypped in the uh, in the seating. It's better than number seven. <laughs> <laughs> Much closer well, in my, my heart. Yeah. I can see how that happened, though, just if we're ranking based on like how we felt as kids. It may not jump out as much as like these more active shows. But so. I feel like my heart still has to go with Legends just because of how slick it is. The mythology element, the educational through line, production value. It's just kind of banging on all cylinders. Legends gets my vote. Um, for me, I feel like I'm not as big of a Legends head as like, pretty much everyone our age is, uh, even though I, I like it a lot. But I always loved watching Figure It Out uh, because of the celebs, <laughs> quotation marks and celebs, I guess, or celebs <laughs> and quotation marks. But so my heart is really going with Figure It Out on this. And so I got to go with Figure It Out, even though definitely watching the Temple Run was by far the most exciting thing out of all of these shows. Eric, tiebreaker. Uh, this is so difficult for me. You guys have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah figure it out really just came out of the gates blew me away with how entertaining it still is what a great format it is but man it's just so hard to go against legends of the hidden temple with everything cam said all it has going for it it really is kind of the pinnacle of the production of a nickelodeon game show you know i may go back and forth on like what's my actual favorite game from time to time but this to me is the most well put together show best in concept and best in execution. So I have to give it to Legends by a hair. That concludes round one. What's next? Well, actually, before we move on from Legends, can I get you guys to, to rank the Temple teams real quick? Yeah, I can do it. Uh, and listeners at home can look up the six Legends of the Hidden Temple teams. There's the Blue Barracudas, the Green Monkeys, Orange Iguanas, Purple Parrots, Red Jaguars, and Silver Snakes. All right, I'm All ready. ready. I am ready as well. All right, Brian. Green monkeys, blue barracudas, purple parrots, red jaguars, orange iguanas, silver snakes. Eric? I'm going to start from the bottom. Number six, silver snakes, doesn't pop. Number five, purple parrots, 
the fuck is that parrot? That sucks. <laughs> Number four, uh, orange iguanas. Okay. Three, red jaguars. Two, blue barracudas. I like mm. the duplication of the barracuda. Mm-hmm. Number one, green monkeys, baby. I had that shirt in college. Ooh, bought it from the green monkeys. Yeah, I bought I bought you know some kind of you know retro t shirt shop thing. <laughs> nice. The blue barracuda design definitely gets points for having two of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna okay, so I'm gonna go silver snakes number six as well. Uh it doesn't pop. That's a good way of putting it, Eric. Bad colors design. I'm gonna go against you guys though. I think blue barracudas doesn't quite jump out to me for some reason. I like the color, but I don't know. I'm gonna go orange iguanas number four, red jaguars number three. I'm gonna go to bat for purple parrots, because I love purple. I can see why the design of the parrot itself might not be it offends me. The most aesthetic, but I just like the overall purpleness. And you guys are right. Green monkeys is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Unanimous number one ranking. Oh, yeah. I like the parrot. I think it looks cool. I like the color. Don't hate. It's great. So the official, what were we watching? Ranking of all of them. Uh, number six, silver snakes. Number five, orange iguanas. Number four, red jaguars. Number three, purple parrots. Two, blue barracudas. One, green monkeys. That was my ranking. Oh, was Brian, it? Brian is correct. Exactly. Brian is correct. <laughs> All right, you guys. Back to the brack. We got our semifinals going on. And our first matchup here in the semifinals is the one seed Guts against the number five seed, the Double Dare franchise family. Super sloppy and all. <laughs> They're both active games. I like. Yeah. I think they both got good hosts. They bring the right kind of energy for the respective shows. For me... Guts just has more stuff I want to do than Double Dare. I don't always like getting messy. And I think it would be fun in a short burst, but like I wish I had a Guts set up like at a gym somewhere that I went to and just yeah. like, could do that stuff over and over again. I mean, they both have variety. I feel like both of them like switch up the games often and the final obstacle course is always different in Double Dare. But the crag is just so epic and like atmospheric. Yeah. Like there's just so much atmosphere going on with Guts that... That's kind of hard to beat for me. I'm a, I'm a big fan of like production design and atmosphere and mood. And I just love the dystopic, futuristic mountain of the crag. Yeah. I mean, Double Dare, like to me, is the most iconic, most definitive of Nickelodeon of this time of mm-hmm. all of our options here. And I love it for that. And I think these are both very much top tier shows. Guts, though, there's just something, like, special. There's, like, a weightiness to it. It's just unlike any of the other options. Um, it just, like, feels more important. Feels like the Olympics. There's a lot at stake. Feels momentous. Mm-hmm. Real athletic triumph. So I vote for Guts. I also uh, vote Guts. <laughs> me too. Unanimous Guts. All right. But Valiant Effort, Mark Summers, and Double Dare. Legendary. Much respect. So flowers <laughs> to Double Dare. All right, our next semifinal matchup is the six-seed Wild and Crazy Kids against the two-seed Legends of the Hidden Temple. This is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know how it's going to (laughs) go. But also, another option that I feel is more definitive of Nickelodeon versus something that's more unique. Mm -hmm. Obviously, one is a much more polished thing than the other. (laughs) Which, which I'm curious, though, which one are you calling the more, more definitive Nickelodeon show? Uh, well, to me, Wild and Crazy Kids is more definitive of Nickelodeon. Interesting. I feel like Legends, just if you were to watch both of these shows, like which could be on a different network, 
I feel like Legends could air on WB or any other. It could be like a Saturday syndicated thing. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't like have that Nickelodeon-ness, in my opinion. That's an interesting point. It doesn't, and it also doesn't feel like of the 90s either. You could have a very similar show now without like like jedi temple challenge exactly <laughs> well um, but I, I still think there are differences though like production wise it is very slick but it's still very 90s to me when you got very visible harnesses and safety gear and all these kids and all the spotters that are around something like jedi temple challenge they've gone to great pains to like make it look like there's no crew at all yeah which true actually in canon me about that show <laughs> Well, so it's, it's kind of silly. I don't know because I, I want to. Say, I want that authenticity and that realness. Both of these shows, to me, bring that. I, but they represent two sides of the coin here. Wild and Crazy Kids is just like this very spontaneous, just any way to have fun type of show. Legend of the Hidden Temple. We're gonna spend the time and effort making like the coolest setup we can think of, mm-hmm. uh, and then let you go wild inside of it. So it's actually pretty tough for me, just from the philosophical point of view. I get, I get, I get your point of view with the like imagination of wild and crazy kids, and just like how it's like kids at play. I think they both do that. They both, they both spark your imagination. But I feel like Legends, there's just like a literal magic behind it. There's like a, it like literally makes you think of like supernatural myths and just artifacts. I don't know. It's got that that Indiana Jones vibe that gives it a clear edge. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest wild and crazy kids fan. <laughs> after watching the one episode i feel like maybe if i watched more <laughs> i might be one over a little more but to me it's an easy legends so i'm gonna give it my vote already but i get the imagination part and just like the how wild and crazy kids might inspire you to make your own games and have your own fun and go out to those water parks and just venture out into the world yeah i mean i i know how this is gonna go but i'm gonna be a wild and crazy kid stand to the end i'm gonna go with that Nobody even gets slimed in Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Brian, you just dropped a real good point at the at the buzzer. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I hate to disappoint you, Brian. It's expected, <laughs> but I want you to know it was way closer than I thought it would be. Uh, and I'll vote like for that. Legends of the Hidden Temple. What gives it the edge for you, Eric? Well, I do think it's Wild and Crazy Kids is inspiring in a weird way, but there's the lack of polish kind of hurts it overall Mm. especially when compared to legends of the hidden temple it's just like you really have to land on the right wild and crazy kids episode but hidden temple i could watch pretty much any episode all right this final matchup is what i would have guessed is the final matchup indeed (laughs) me as well it's the one and two seed guts versus legends of the hidden temple so what i'm gonna say just as my final observation here legends of the hidden temple is the competition is winnowing down these kids Uh, teams of kids from the poor saps who don't even get to go on (laughs) after they've fallen in the little ball pit or river there (laughs) Mm -hmm. who are on tv for like 40 seconds and then uh, until you get to the the kids who are shown to be dum-dums who can't remember the story they were just told then to the cool games and then the temple run and that's a lot of fun guts is about a competition between kids who just love to be athletic play sports and they're all still there till the end and everyone gets to take a victory lap at the (laughs) end we still have a podium one still wins but we're still just celebrating having fun playing games and that's why i love guts it's a guts vote for me that'll be a guts for me dog i really do appreciate a lot about legends of the hidden temple but number one michael malley is so much better than kirk fogg in my opinion (laughs) as a host 
Is he better than Olmec, though? Olmec <laughs> <laughs> uh, is really cool. Because uh, I, mean, I feel like Olmec is, is kind of like the other host. He's the one that often delivers all the legends and true That's rules of the point. game and whatnot. Fog's just kind of there. <laughs> I watched some YouTube show also this or yesterday that featured uh, Mark Summers, Phil Moore, and Kirk Fogg being interviewed by a guy, and Kirk Fogg just seemed terrible in real life. To me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he he does like... not have much to do in the the TV movie. He's just kind of also just there. <laughs> but I feel like that is coloring my opinion as well. Just having watched this thing where I. <laughs> felt like I would not want to have to be in the same room as him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's the epicness of Guts, the weight, the iconicness of every sound of the show. Um, <laughs> Eagle screams. Yes. <laughs> Getting to know the contestants more. On and, their side of the crog. <laughs> and Mo and Mike. Uh, both of them together just everything yeah. about and having played the video game so many times definitely gets was a bigger part of my life as a child and i like it more was there a hidden temple video game i feel like that's a thing that should have been if not i feel like that's like a natural game or at least like a computer game i'm sure that existed you know i feel like this is close and i, I get both sides I think just because i didn't grow up with guts as much i don't have as much nostalgia and the nostalgia is so real for legends and i just love the i mean both have such good production design and sets but i just love the mythology of of legends so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw my vote there even though guts is our winner do we have it do do you have it i think we do have it we have the guts to make an episode like this yeah. <laughs> where we talk about <laughs> Nickelodeon game shows for over two hours. <laughs> <laughs> this bracket definitely went the way I would have guessed. Other than between what would you do and Wild and Crazy Kids, I wasn't sure what would have gone with that one. But <laughs> yeah, that was the real toss-up. I wondered, and I wondered if anybody was going to be swayed by Figure It Out, and someone was. Oh, I love Figure It Out. It's yeah. Okay, so I want to get people's final rankings. Actually, do do we want to rank the hosts? <laughs> we can skip that if we want. I mean, I can do a quick one. I've got them written down. If you had to lump them, yeah, Kirk yeah. Fogg, Mark Summers, Mike O'Malley, which maybe includes Mo too. Yeah, know. sure. Well, he can include Mo if Kirk Fogg can include Olmec. Yes. Okay. All right. So Kirk Fogg and Olmec. Okay. I, I got you. It's just five of them then. So first, I got Mark Summers, the champion of one. all time. Yes, number one. Hmm. Number two um, is Kirk Fogg and Olmec. Wow. I actually think Kirk Fogg is, I think he has stuff to do on the show and I think he's really good <laughs> at it. Like, yeah. He he seemed to have a good rapport with the kids at the very least. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. those Olmec intros are iconic. They're just so good. They add a lot to the show. Three is Summer Sanders, figure it out. Can hang with the kids and the adults. Four, and this is not like a... a I hate him number four, but this is Michael Malley. I mean, he's <laughs> he's great at what he does. I will say his get the picture hosting is not up to snuff, but <laughs> I like I think, him. I, I think he's I think he's pretty good. I yeah. don't know. I I think he's too much like cheesy comedian uh, at, yeah. at that show. And on guts, he really gets to shine, be himself. <laughs> then number five would be Phil Moore from Nick Arcade, just mm-hmm. doing his best with the hand he's dealt. <laughs> Yeah. And then last are those teenagers uh, for a lot of crazy kids. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, my number one is also Mark Summers. Gotta go with nice. Mark. Too much respect for him. Number two, Michael Malley and Mo. Number three is Summer Sanders. Number four is Phil Moore. Um, number five is Kirk Fogg. And those kids are last. <laughs> <laughs> I'll count down because um, I agree those kids are last. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Moore, I, I think, like Eric said, he's, he's doing his best with the hand that he's dealt. And probably Kirk Fogg. And Olmec. I, I love Olmec, but Kirk Fogg, you know. Then I go with Michael Malley. I'm going to break with you guys. I love Mark Summers to death. He's, he's so good. I love his glow up in What Would You Do? But I love Summer Sanders and her ability to just like riff with the comedians on the panel. Nice. Um, and to deal with kids. And, and I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm entertained the most. Yeah. I can totally get behind that. Totally get behind that. I'd like to see Summer Sanders do something on TV today. Mark Summers yeah. and Summer Sanders should do like a talk show together. <laughs> summers Mark on Summers. Summers. Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. summers, Summer Summers. Summers squared. <laughs> so our official what were we watching ranking of the hosts goes number six, those kids. Involving <laughs> <laughs> crazy kids. Number five, Phil Moore. Number four, Kirk Fogg. Number three, Michael Malley. Number two, Summer Sanders. And the reigning champion of Nickelodeon hosts, Mark Summers. Feels I right behind this. Feels right. Uh, uh, yeah, Feels I right. get hundred percent get mm-hmm. behind this ranking. <laughs> yep. Now let's hear your, your rankings of the shows, the final rankings of Ooh, boy. the eight shows right. we just watched. Brian, you should go first. All right. Number eight, get the picture. That was lame. <laughs> Number seven, Nick Arcade. Really have never liked that show. Number six, what would you do? Really thought I liked the show more than when I watched it back this time. Number five, ooh, it's Legends of the Hidden Temple. Number four, Figured Out. Number three, Family Double Day. Number two is Wild and Crazy Kids. And number one is Guts. Nice. Your mind was changed. You got guts. I did. It's, it's just, to me, by far the best show of all of these. <laughs> so I think Nick Arcade is the most disappointing to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it number eight, personally. Uh, I was just not that into Wild and Crazy Kids, you guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's my number seven. Get the picture. Grew on me, especially in our conversation. I kind of wasn't that into it, but I kind of felt the need to go to bunt for it. So number six. <laughs> number five, what would you do? Number four, the Double Dare franchise. Number three, figure it out. Love it. Love the comedy. Uh, number two is is Guts for me. And it's still got to be the Legends stand. Number one. Respectful. Legends is, right. a, is a great show. It sure is. But what's not a great show is Get the Picture, which is why it's number <laughs> eight. <laughs> um, seven would be, God, Nick Arcade. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I used to love it so much, but it is disappointing. <laughs> I can't deny. Uh, six is What Would You Do? Uh, five is Wild and Crazy Kids. And then my top four are things I think I would still keep watching today if they were on <laughs> modern versions. Four is Double Dare. Three is Figure It Out. Two, Legends of the Hidden Temple. And number one, all-time goods. So Sort that data sheet. The official ranking of what were we watching. Number eight, Get the Picture. Number seven, Nick Arcade. Number six, What Would You Do? Five, Wild and Crazy Kids. Four, Double Dare Franchise. Three, Figure It Out. Two, Legends of the Hidden Temple. One, Guts. 
This time, Eric is correct. Eric's ranking matches up with the average. There you go. Beautiful. We did it, guys. We've talked about all these shows. I'm glad we lumped them together. It'd be hard to talk about most of these for the entire length of an episode. But I feel like this is the way to do it. This is fun. We made a game of talking about game shows. The most fitting thing we could have done. Yeah, that's awesome. But we're not done. (laughs) We're We're not not done. done. (laughs) You guys got time to throw out some pitches? (laughs) 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 Pitches. Uh, they said the day when we I'm in it for riches Sequel, people remake, wanna throw me some pictures for guffin Mine's pretty quick I can go first if you guys yeah. want Okay So we did another challenge to each other this time Like we did for the Warsathon Where we challenged each other to pitch It's kind of multi-leveled We sent a title of a, of a game show to one person And then a host of a game show to another person <laughs> and nobody knows what combinations the other people got. So I got a title from Eric, make it or break it was my game show title. And my host from Brian was Hannibal Buress. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how to say his name? Buress? I like Buress. Just Buress. Just Buress. Buress yeah. Hannibal Buress. <laughs> so make it or break it is an obstacle course <laughs> game show in the vein of legends of the hidden temple or guts. Um, and there could be many courses leading up to a big one, kind of like a crag or temple run type thing at the end. But players are separated into two, one of two groups, the makers or the breakers. And the maker's goal is to make it through the obstacle courses. And the breaker's task is to destroy parts of the course <laughs> so as to prevent the makers from getting to their goal. For instance, the breakers might have to like shoot baskets into a hoop. And every time they get like five baskets, piece of the obstacle course falls off so it's more difficult for the makers to try to make it uh, and Hannibal is just there to you know egg everyone on and to laugh at their failures and <laughs> be his silly stoner self the anti-Mike O'Malley <laughs> whoa look at that kid he just fell down yeah and, and I don't know I don't I don't know what like the theme image would be or just just kind of like some somewhere between legends and guts just kind of like fun themed obstacle course and it can change Every episode, kind of like those shows or, or Double Dare did. Switch it up. Every episode, different type of obstacle course, but each time there's an added element of like other players trying to sabotage <laughs> the people trying to make it or break it. Make it or break it. Nice. I was hoping there'd be some Sweet. element of destruction in there. With yes. the title. <laughs> cool. All right. So what I got from Cam is... Wait, did you give me the title, Cam? Yeah, the title. Yeah, you did. All right. Me. The title of my show is called Water Warriors. And it is hosted by Nick Offerman. Uh, and I feel like those things together pretty much guide me in the direction of what the show will be. This is set outdoors in like a you know forest type area. It's a big outdoor forest set, kind of structured after kind of a hidden temple model where we have whittled down teams to one team. Um, so we start with four teams. You have a first round where they compete in some sort of water-related mini game, like maybe like a, a log rolling thing, uh, kind of like lumberjack maybe themed games, but just some mini games similar to what we've seen in these other shows. Then you have the middle round where we have two teams competing where they have various materials and they have to build a canoe or raft of some kind. And then they race what they've built. And then that whittles down to the first or the one team. And uh, the final part of this 
game in the spirit of like an aggro crag type thing is a super elaborate log flume ride that they the team they ride this log flume and they have like bow and arrows or something and they shoot at like big animatronic things that like do things when they hit the targets and yeah and that's how you win that's water warriors (laughs) sweet love it there's so much wood in water warriors that's what nick offerman brings yes (laughs) he brings the wood (laughs) i just love i love uh, where our heads were at and suggesting those hosts we got like the stoner guy and the very deadpan (laughs) (laughs) this is like not kid energy at all yeah (laughs) i would love to see what happens there yes I and I, and like I'm kind of kicking myself because I should I should have said Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally. That would be amazing. Ooh, that, that'd be a show. Yeah, because <laughs> she would be more high energy and he'd just be totally deadpan. Yep. <laughs> All right, I got from Brian the title "Tournament of the Techno Wizards," <laughs> and from Cam the host of the show Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Our premise here is that it's a collision of fantasy and sci-fi worlds that challenges kids to showcase their creativity and critical thinking. Features King Shaq and his top advisor, (laughs) Sorceress Steam. They create the tournament of the techno wizards to find the world's most inquisitive, creative, and tech-savvy kids. So the set is like this futuristic medieval times tournament arena. The format is like a more scripted, competitive version of what would you do? You bring on rotating groups of contestants, including like robotics clubs, Lego building groups, coding camps, and esports teams. And that's a nod to Nick Arcade, you better believe it, because how has there not been another kids game show that's centered on video games? That's insane. Because <laughs> it's not fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, you could make it fun. If, you, if it was done like Jedi Temple Challenge, where it's super slick and like there's sure. no downtime at all. It would be fun to watch. No, I, I don't mean to take away from your pitch. I, I think you, Eric Ambler, could make it fun to watch. Right, so yeah. Continue. Yeah, but I, I, get what, I get what you're saying. I just, like, even, but even with that, like, how has there not been another one? So three teams in each show, like, there'll be three teams competing for a chance to tackle the episode's mega challenge. For example, for, like, robotics clubs, it'd be, like, designing a robot that can shoot a perfect free throw. Wink, wink. Um, and a series of smaller challenges build up to that final one so that it gives the teams a chance to work with the principles that they'll need to beat the mega challenge. And then win or lose, King Shaq will end every episode with a rap recapping the competition and thanking the techno wizards. (laughs) Yes, and he'll thank the techno wizards for using their knowledge to help his kingdom. Just want to see Shaq on a throne in a big king's robe. Beautiful, I love that. I, might, yeah, I can so, just imagine the set right now, and it's amazing. Yes, Shaq in a, as dressed as a king the whole time is amazing. <laughs> like a techno king. <laughs> yes, exactly. There'd be, like, there'd be like cyborg elements to him. Yeah. <laughs> Big decent. Kazam, Kazam meets steel. <laughs> yes, exactly. That, that's the perfect description of it. <laughs> All right, guys. Those are some great game show pitches. Um Hollywood, those those are our best ideas. Uh, if you want them, you can have them. Just send us the royalty checks inside a glowing piece of our radical rock. And maybe if you've got the cash to spare, a pair of hush puppy shoes. Guys, time to ask the question that we ask in almost every episode. These vast panoply of Nickelodeon game shows. What the hell were we watching? What were we watching?
we were watching a celebration of kids of diverse a diversity of kids pushing themselves physically as well as uh mentally and just a, a very definitive type of programming for the 90s and Nickelodeon something that's still fun to watch now here here yeah i would say the same and i would add a celebration of gross out culture for the most part a lot of these shows that seems to be the through line is just uh getting messy getting dirty just having fun with playtime and also just a, a a perfect time capsule of what real kids and what real people were wearing and the styles that were cool in the 90s much more than like a polished tv show or movie of the 90s would be like i it's just it's so much fun to see like a slice of like real people in the 90s trying to achieve greatness or at least just having fun <laughs> just trying to do their best and getting on tv getting on nickelodeon you can't discount that their friends would see them hey were you on guts oh my god yeah to me what i was watching was aspirational playtime it's just interesting how nickelodeon you know that's their stock and trade especially during that era was junior versions of like things for adults mm-hmm. especially with these game shows where the emphasis is not necessarily so much on competition and winning, but just like, you know, getting kids to have a good time to give them a memory that they'll cherish forever. And I think that's worked from like the various oral histories that have popped up online about guts or legends of the hidden temple. And they always interview these contestants and they're like, holy cow, it was the most fun thing I ever did in my life. So Mm -hmm. that's what it is. It's a lot of fun. And we hope that you found this mega, super global, super sloppy episode of our podcast a lot of fun as well. If you've got thoughts, rankings of these shows, of these hosts, of those t-shirts from Legends <laughs> of the Hidden Temple, hit us up online, whatwerewatching.com, what were we watching on Facebook and Instagram, and on Twitter, where our handle is W4Podcast. Drop us an email at whatwerewatching at gmail.com. And it just so happens, guys, we've got something in the mailbag just this evening. And it has to do with what we just talked about. You can believe it. Someone's got inside information. (laughs) This very funny email comes to us from Blythe Rudloff. It's your wife, Brian. It is. (laughs) Yes. I hope that's not news (laughs) to you. No, I'm excited to hear hear what she has to say. (laughs) The subject of the email is Nickelodeon Game Shows. Dear Cam and Eric, I was sitting in my office wrapping up some work when I heard some distant noises, vague cadences, if you will, that my brain instantly recognized but couldn't believe. Are you watching Global Guts? I shouted to Brian in disbelief. (laughs) I didn't know he'd been petitioning you for this Nickelodeon game show app for so long. I am a huge Nickelodeon game show head myself, and I never knew Brian was too. So what were we watching has literally brought new light to our nearly five year marriage. Uh-huh. Thank you for providing me with this is not going to become an activity that we just uh, do together. I'm not <laughs> watching these shows for fun. <laughs> I like how you told now. the same story though, earlier in this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, she continues. Thank you for providing me with the excuse slash opportunity to revisit some old phase with my husband. I got to see Brian experience, get the picture for the very first time. Mike O'Malley's second most iconic Nick game show hosting gig. What a treat. (laughs) Well, that's one way to to put it for sure. (laughs) She says, uh, below are some personal rankings. If these don't come up already, I would invite you to share your own in these categories. 
Uh, oh, we so do. She, has, <laughs> she has the ranking of shows, to, her personal ranking today. Which um, I will add to our own rankings to see okay. how they change our ranking because Blythe is a frequent guest on our podcast. She's part of the family. Part of the fam. So we're going from the bottom. Eight is Nick Arcade. Seven is Get the Picture. Six, Wild and Crazy Kids. Five, Family Double Dare. Four is Guts. Three is What Would You Do? Two, Legends of the Hidden Temple. And one is Figure It Out. Ooh, I love it. Figure It Out Head. Yeah. Loves that comedy. Nice. I do too. A hilarious comedy. Oh no, I'm no longer right. What changed? Um, um, Nick Arcade. Oh, is, Nick Arcade is, is now last. Yeah, dead last. <laughs> Which I agree with. <laughs> I mean, get the picture as garbage, you guys. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm with you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Blythe says, I think it would be the same today as the past, except I may have liked Wild and Crazy Kids more before. I get that. Um, ranking of hosts, she only does the top three. So her number three is Mike O'Malley and Mo. Two is Summer Sanders, and one is Mark Summers. Which lines up with our collective rankings. Totally. So, Blythe is right. And then uh, her final ranking is fun. (laughs) Ranking of worst prizes, (laughs) if I got them today. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, any of the featured cameras. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, an old-fashioned film camera would not be fun. (laughs) Especially a 90s one. Yeah, like where are you going to go to get that developed? Got to take it to CVS or whatever. To yeah, do we even do that anymore? I I don't know. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Number two of worst prizes. Sorry, Cam, but it's the Barfo Rama books. <laughs> Justice for Barfo Rama. Justice. <laughs> I guess it's not going to be on Sexy Just, Books Pod. Justice, Justice for, for Big, Big Fart. Fart. <laughs> <laughs> and number one of the worst prize. A hundred dollars in Jeffrey dollars. <laughs> just worthless paper these days. Is it just, is that, is that only because it's out of business now? Yeah, yeah. These are if she got them today. Okay. The worst prize is if she got them today. Hundred bucks in Jeffrey dollars. Ironically, probably what I would have wanted most in the past. <laughs> Same. Yep. And lastly, I used to work for the woman who represented Jeff Stufen. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, who hosted the most recent figure it out in 2013 and that's why i know about this garage show episode he made featuring him mark summers phil moore and kirk fogg she actually wrote kirk bog which i think is fun (laughs) (laughs) but that's what you were just talking about right brian yeah Uh, she said the site isn't super easy to navigate because she sent a link along with it uh site's not super easy to navigate but scroll down to episode two and it's in six parts that's all i'll say about that it's definitely something yeah (laughs) I love you all to pieces and want to smother you all in hugs. Heart, Blythe. Well, Blythe, we heart you back. Thank you for this wonderful email. I love that we could get to it immediately. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hope this sparks a, a, a similar trend of people sending us their rankings of things. It's, yeah. Uh, listeners, you, you've just heard basically what we've been doing all throughout quarantine. It's just a lot of brackets <laughs> and a lot of rankings in our little group. So we just brought that to you. And it was fun. Before we go, Brian, where can people listen to you on your awesome podcast? Well, people can listen to Marvel Star Wars Explorers 
It's the podcast where we take a look at every single issue of the original Marvel Star Wars comics from the 80s, 70s and 80s. We have just finished episode or issue 90. So there's a lot of content there. 90 issues of Marvel Star Wars comics. Check it out. Hosted by me and friend of this show, Sam Stovall. That's where you can find me. And listen to Sexy Books Podcast. Yes, that's where you can find my wife. We'll plug for her since she did not plug in her email. She she had some restraint, but go listen to Sexy Books Podcast. Go listen to Marvel Star Wars Explorers when you're done with this one. Brian, always a pleasure to have you and Thank a pleasure you. to see you in these uncertain times. <laughs> Thank you for making my dreams come true since I've been emailing you about doing this for like two years. Yeah. And to yeah. correct Eric earlier, this is Brian's 15th appearance on this oh, podcast. Damn. So congrats on your, your 15. That's a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Most guested. I, I, well, this, this is a very good 15. Eric yes. once called you our fifth Beatle. It feels right. Brian Epstein. Also <laughs> a, a Brian. <laughs> also an Epstein. <laughs> I love that. Yes. It's going to be a, in a few years. That'll be like a deep internet culture joke. It's good. Yep. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Brian. This has been a blast. It's been very long, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Bringing life to all these games. Yes. And we hope wherever you people are, you're staying safe, staying well. You're making sure that Black Lives Matter. And for Brian Rudloff and Cam Seamer, I'm Eric Ambler. Until next time. Do-